0: It's Monday morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. Welcome back. I've got my good friend and uh, mule deer slayer, Robbie Denning, on the other end of the mic. What's going on?
1: Monday morning. Pulled over in a field because Aaron called and said it's time for a podcast. I haven't talked to him in six months, but when Aaron calls, you just pull over.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm not very good about uh, I'm not very good at adulting as far as uh, setting up any type of consistent. Uh, See, if I set up um, like an appointment or a schedule then I have a high probability of screwing that up and missing it. But if I just call and say, let's do it, then I can't, I can't miss it. Uh, At least that's how it works out in my brain.
1: Well, it worked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how's the season going?
1: Oh, let's see. I had an early season muzzleloader tag. um, Started back in July scouting for it and uh, found one good buck in the whole unit, all the parts I know. Anyways, I was there about five days and, um, A a good buck, very, I mean, high 20s, maybe even 30. And, um, he was in an area that I know really well. I was really happy to see him there. So, let's see, that was mid July and the hunt opened, oh, what, first part of September. And, uh, so I was there. And, um, I can't, I can't do too much of a spoiler alert because we filmed it and that'll be out in about a week. But the trailer's out there right now if people want to see it. But, uh, it was a good hunt. Um, you know, muzzleloader is always a challenge, but uh, but I love that you know being out there with something that shoots further than a bow and the season when you at least have a chance of bedding them up and um, so overall it was a pretty good hunt. Not not as good as yours I saw this weekend.
0: Oh yeah, that, yeah. I was just a, a I was on a cool, uh, coal buck patrol. Um, he asked if I wanted to come out and shoot a a coal buck, and I was like, yeah, man. I and you know some of his coal bucks are not. I would say, you know, it would be a cool buck for you and maybe, you know, 2% of the rest of the planet or less. But uh, the one I was trying to kill was a 28-inch wide 4 by 3 that pretty much anybody would have put on their wall, which was a cool cool buck for for him. I, I got 21 yards from it one time. I got 32 yards from it another time. And you know how eastern Colorado, when they get in those weeds coming off of ag, depending upon... Every year is different out there, depending upon what they've planted and you know what they have having. And um, you know, this year the way it, the way it worked is where they were coming off the ag field. There was not really any way to um, there was no no way to intercept them once they got in those weeds. That was it. And uh, the, the the sagebrush uh, tumbleweed. I mean, it's like six eight feet tall. And when they flagged me in on the one, they're like, dude, you're you're within 40 yards from these bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't see two yards. Shit's over my head. And they're like, well, we can see pieces of you. Keep working forward. And I got to a point where, like I said, I think I was 23 yards. I could see spot parts of them. And, you know, with a little wind and, and they can't see, you know, they're not. They don't blow right out of there. when They don't know if it's a deer making noise. If you're being quiet, they might be looking at you, but they don't blow out, but it doesn't matter when you can't shoot them. So anyway, I ended up shooting a, you know, an older, not super old, but an older buck that certainly wasn't going to grow into being a 180-type buck and was good for him, and I don't care. I, I like eating deer, and I like shooting stuff, so it worked out great.
1: Looked like a pretty good buck, even for a coal buck. The, the three-by-four was bigger than him,
0: though? Yeah. <laughs> twice <laughs> you know three really? by four was big dude it that buck there we I was high racking it standing on the roof of the truck watching him bed just to get a little more elevation and nine bucks bedded in this spot and I actually got down to you know my socks and got my pants tucked in so I wasn't trying to make too much noise and I snuck in so close it, it actually stood up and was looking the other way and shot him at I don't know, somewhere between nine and 15 yards. And, uh, nice. that big wide buck was in there. But even after I shot that buck, other than seeing, you know, weeds move and some horns, I, I, I it was just super, you know, super thick. I, that, like I said, the cool buck, the four by three, he was wanting me to shoot would be, it's kind of a wow factor buck. It just wasn't, you know, they shoot big deer out there, man. They don't, they don't really shoot anything under one ninety. Um, you know, they just shot one. They haven't posted a photo of it that probably wouldn't score one ninety, but was one of the cooler and older bucks I've ever seen. Just giant mass, and so anyway, um, yeah, it was cool. And then I took my wife out, and we got she got an antelope. It was the first time hunting with a gun, and first time hunting antelope, so that was cool.
1: All right, well, big's big. I don't care if they're three by fours or two by nines or whatever. There's just not enough big deer out there for guys to get too picky, unless you're just on, you know, unless they're letting you hunt or best bucks or something or you got a great draw tag i mean yeah you know once they get four or five years old you better not be too snooty or you're not going to get one yeah we talked about that um on a
0: several different podcasts but and, and you and i've talked about this i don't know that people understand the dynamic difference of a buck from three and a half to four and a half they they just get smarter um two
1: different species i think
0: yeah yeah and i you know not and Nothing wrong with shooting a three and a half year old deer. I mean, you want to let them grow, but if somebody's first deer, I get it. You know, I don't, I don't have any issue. But if you shoot a hundred and fifty or a two hundred inch five and a half year old deer, uh, the one fifty probably hasn't been hunted as much, but they're still really smart. And I don't, um, I don't, like you said, different species. There are so many different things that they do in comparison to a three-and-a-half-year-old, even if you stand them up, for example, you stand a three-and-a-half-year-old buck out of his bed to shoot him, you've got time. Depending upon the mood of a five-and-a-half-year-old buck, there's probably not standing up. There's blowing out. Like, they're smart for a reason. And then you watch three-and-a-half-year-old deer, if you're driving by, stand up and then run off. Five-and-a-half-year-old deer wait till you drive by, and then they run the other way. Just all kinds of different things that they do.
1: Yeah, it's it's. It's amazing to me. I think that's why they're they're so fun to hunt. And um, it's like a switch goes off when they're about four or five years old, and they just change. You know, I mean, they're they're just a different animal. And you know, it depends on where you're at. If, you know, some places if they don't have a lot of pressure, you know, draw tags, private land. You know, they're still smart. They're smarter than the other bucks that are around. But you know, they're maybe they're not quite as edgy as something that's getting hunted a lot. Um, but all of them, once they get above four, I, I mean, it's just. Sometimes it's hard to even convince yourself they're they're still there. When this film comes out next week, you know that's you'll see. I looked at a lot of bucks in that in that uh, area, and man, I could really only say a couple of them were four years old or better. And you know, this was a optics heavy hunt. You know, that's pretty much all you did. Um, you know, the muzzle loader doesn't do a lot of good to still hunt anyways, like with a rifle. So you just sit back and watch them and. Um, The, the older bucks that I saw, you know, without pulling a tooth, you don't know, but you can, you can see by their body and especially when they're with four or five other bucks, you can just tell that, that's an older buck. Uh, the, the two or maybe three that I saw that were in that age class stayed in very small areas. They might have been with bucks at daylight, but they didn't really follow the crowd. If those other bucks wandered off and went out on the open knobs and fed till 9.30, he didn't really worry about it. He would just stay back where he, you know, in rolling cuts and a little more brush. And uh, they, he just, they just moved a lot less, I noticed. And then the other thing I would notice is they weren't there every day. Some of them were. One of them at the very end, there was one that had stayed in the same place for like two weeks. Or if he left, he came back. But, um, you know, some, nobody was hunting these couple of ridges I was hunting. And some of those older bucks, I would notice like the next day, they just weren't there. All the other bucks were there, but they weren't. And, you know, some who knows, sometimes they lay down in the brush and they're you know, laying down at daylight and they don't get up and you just don't see them. It could have been that, but it's just, they're just harder to find, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, and you know, just, how they move, how they think, what they do, it's, and that's why it's so easy to get discouraged because it's just so easy to convince yourself, well, they're not here. I'm not seeing them. I've just found that, well, sometimes that's the case, but not always yeah
0: that you know you've hunted a ton of high country deer it's no different in the the high country or low country the the deer you can tell the ones um that have been been shot at been, been molested or been you know been bothered they're they're just harder to they're just harder to kill like you said they hang out in different spots and again um Mike Duplan and I were talking about this the other day. Like when you're on a big animal, you don't ever take your eyes off the spotter because, you know, literally like you go take a crap, you come back, gone, never found. Oh, again. You can't even find them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you just don't even see them. I, I, I,
1: I've had that happen many times. Or you see them in your binos and, and you're like, okay, I want to get a better look at that buck. He's obviously big. This is, this is what I'm saying. It's kind of a mistake. I better get my spotter out. You know, I want to count the flipping hairs coming out of his nose. Well, just in that minute or two of setting your tripod up, I've, st- I've lost those bucks forever. Like, stayed for days and not even found them, you know, just in that couple of minutes. And they just move deliberately, and they they like to hide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you got coming up now? Uh, Let's see. I'm, I'm outfitting the next week or so. I got elk hunters in town, so um, I'll be helping those guys. And then my son and I are going on everybody's gonna say what but because i don't usually hunt elk my son wants to hunt elk so i'm gonna take him on a cow elk hunt this year that's not this weekend but next weekend and then uh muzzleloader tags for deer in november both him and i and uh that that opens mid-november so really not oh oh and i'm coming down to colorado for uh for third season too i forgot about that so um not a lot the next couple weeks just helping guys out but once november hits i got a lot of comp time built up from uh coronavirus Um, i worked that whole shutdown and then just the way things worked out with owning a corporation i couldn't get unemployment so i lost every all my unemployment from my regular job which is which is all right went to my employees they they don't they they needed it worse than me but and now looking back a couple months i'm like hey boss i didn't get any pay for all those weeks i came in he's like what do you want to do i said I'd like to not have to worry too much about work in November. I'll check some emails. I'll check in with my, um, my other department heads, but if you don't see me a whole lot that month, I'm just taking comp time. And he just said, whatever you need. So I thought, wow, this worked out well.
2: Heck
0: yeah, no, that that is good. Um, The, uh, yeah, the elk thing, it's not like you're not capable of hunting elk. We've talked about this on other podcasts. You just chose mule deer. And Mm -hmm. as, as we've, also talked about before you can kind of only have one love and be successful and I don't mean successful by shooting an animal shooting older trophy class animals you kind of got to pick one to do it consistently because it takes that much effort to unless you don't have a job and you're inherently wealthy then you can do whatever you want but when you have a real job it's pretty hard to to focus on more than one species and be super consistent uh putting big ones down
1: that's been my experience, and, and you know, and some of it's you know, some of it's a time standpoint. Like I usually don't have this much time off, um, so you know, I don't want to I don't want to burn a week trying to hunt elk, and uh, and plus when I'm hunting elk, I can't think about anything but deer. So yeah. <laughs> I, I just know I don't want to be there, but I like hunting elk. Don't get me wrong, it, it's awesome. You know, I, as you know, I run an outfitting business. Elk hunting is our bread and butter. Um, so I get to experience all that, and it's awesome. Man, we had like a 330 bull running around up there the other day. I was scouting for some hunters, and these guys, they, they were new bow hunters. But, you know, they were experienced hunters, but they were new bow hunters. They were just having a complete meltdown. They were just like, it was the biggest animal they'd ever seen. And, you know, where they've gone, it probably is. And I thought, this is pretty cool because bull elk are big. I mean, when they're out there swinging that rock around and running off those raghorns, I mean, they're big. And, you know, I, I get fired up but just the the amount of energy is probably what limits me from from really trying to get after them at this point in my life you know i mean this this film i'm about to release gosh i lost track of the days I, I think between scouting and hunting i was there 20 days no not all at once that was over 3 trips but man i got home last today monday not this saturday but the saturday before dude i'm fried i don't even i don't even want to go hunting You know, and, and, you know, I'll heal up and I'll, I'll get that, I'll get that spark back, but, you know, that's some of it is, you know, I, back when I used to hunt deer and elk, you know, I'd come home from a a long hunt, you know, get caught up and then try to go again, and then I was just tired, just not mentally sharp, you know, maybe not glassing like I should, or God forbid, sleeping in, who knows, you just, you can just kind of tell when you're, when you're losing your edge, and so that's some of the reason i I just focus on deer but you know elk are awesome don't get me wrong it's not that I don't like them
0: yeah I actually i turned in my high country uh buck tag this year because I knew I'd probably hunt out in the eastern plains and tried to focus on shooting a a big elk and uh, I'm not a very good as you know um trophy hunter and I kind of i had two goals this year my my primary goals were shoot an antelope with the recurve and shoot you know an elk over 300 inches with the recurve and Man, I I I laughed. I thought of uh, you uh, a few times because uh, I think about the ninth bull I passed. I'm like, this shit is not for me. I am just. <laughs> I heard not... your
1: podcast.
2: <laughs> I, you know,
0: and it, Well, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, it's going to get cranked up. You know, and in reality, I got to hunt 24 days. You know that I can't complain about that. I I I passed. I could have could have shot a bull the first day and the third day. I mean, I had opportunities and and uh you know I don't say that like as an excuse for not shooting one you know I I might I say that because I I suck at trophy hunting and I think you know people ask me all the time because that you know social media right if you watch you uh you're going to get in your mind and and people um you know covet maybe not be the right word emulate Robbie Denning they want to shoot big deer well there's there's downsides to that you may not shoot a deer every year would be the number one downside. Um, you know, but if you shoot, uh, smaller animals, uh, you don't get quite the love from, from that. So you, you gotta, gotta pick and, and, and I try to shoot, you know, when I can, uh, you know, four year old or older deer or or elk, you know, elk, not so much but deer, but you gotta be ready to go home empty handed. And I am not, I don't like that. And, and, uh, so I'm a horrible trophy hunter, but, uh, I did it, though, and I say I did it. I didn't kill anything, but, I, I mean, I, I put the effort in, and, yeah, it's not for me. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like not shooting well, an elk. I'm probably the,
1: the places you guys are hunting for elk and, you know, over-the-counter, or, you know, at least most of Colorado that I know, because I don't think you're getting great draw tags down there. It's the only way you're going to kill, uh, whatever your goal was, what you say, 320? Mm, I'm
0: 101 over 300.
1: Over 300? Probably, again, it's like buck's over 180 you're gonna have to go a few years without getting one and and that's why you just can't guys can't be somebody else they need to decide what's right for them what are they gonna do you know i'm i I, you know i'm a big buck hunter that's what i like but man you jump on social media look at how many of those bucks i comment on for those guys you know if they get a three point and they're happy i'm happy you know whatever whatever turns your crank you know and as you know if you want to want to move up and shoot something bigger it's just going to be harder and you you know you're you're gonna you're gonna go some years without getting them and, and some of it for me Aaron, is is you know I, it's still what's going on in the freezer for me so last year um cash and i you know we, we we got three bucks between us i got one and he got two so you know we're sitting good on on deer meat we're probably still got a you know half a deer left in there and um where you know right now usually there's none and um and so, you know, I, I consider that, too. And so this muzzleloader hunt I just came off of, and people see the film, you know, some of the, some of the guys I showed bucks that I was seeing were just outside themselves. I'm like, you know what? I, some years I would shoot that buck. I mean, you, you can go look, at, look in my book, and you'll see I've shot bucks that are 170, 175. No shame. But some of it just depends on what's going on that year. And, you know, um, last year I shot that kind of spindly 27-incher last year with my, my muzzle loader. Well, it was not a very good unit. I knew it was probably going to be one of the better bucks I'd see. And it was the only hunt I had. I mean, I couldn't be too dang picky. And uh, my buddy stayed, you know, he stayed another seven days, and he said, (laughs) man, that was the very best buck that we saw. And so, so I guess I'm just trying to say there's kind of a sliding scale a little bit for me. You know, people may see me with a 160 buck, and it's, well, hey, man, freezer's empty, or this is the last hunt, or this is all there was, or, and then other years, you know, I'm passing up 180s because I know there's a better one there. That was what was happening last year on that early season hunt I did the film on. You know, we passed up some really nice bucks, but it's because I knew there was one there that was... Probably north of 200 and so so i try to take all that into consideration too and not just not just have the standard of 180 or nothing you know i don't people might think i think that way but I, I don't really i just try to make adjustments and you know i'm still playing pretty much the diy game getting tagged and everything so i can't be too snooty on <laughs> on what i'm gonna shoot you know but it's still it gets down to what you said aaron you had a better chance of killing a 300 this year than any other year because you waited but that's the downside you waited you didn't get one just how it is
0: yeah yeah and, and and i'm lucky i get to hunt a lot so i uh amy just shot an antelope i shot one earlier in the earlier in the year that that buck i shot body wise it was actually crazy because dudley shot a buck where we out there that oh you know it had 40 inches on mine and my buck outweighed his by mm. 100 uh pounds probably <laughs> you know yeah it, right judging uh bucks that you know as you know that screws goats are horrible about that but you know small body makes the rack look bigger um I you know when I I, it had two inches of fat on I mean they're living off ag out east you know how it is I mean they do nothing but just get fat um you see them run for a ways their mouths open a lot quicker than a high country buck they're just lazier out east so (laughs) uh, but I got a bunch of whitetail you know, hunt's coming up. I think I'm gonna go shoot a buffalo. so I meet the I should eat three or four hundred pounds a year myself. And so I that's all I eat is wild game. and And so, on my end, like this buffalo, it's not like this crazy I didn't draw a buffalo tag right. I'm going to shoot on somebody's ranch. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's not broadhead testing and I want the meat because it's definitely not going to be this crazy spot and stock Buffalo hunt. I think they're in a river <laughs> bottom. I'm going to walk down and shoot one. But, um, Tried bow? Yeah, man, that's pretty much uh, all right. That's all I'm hunting all with right. now is a stick bow. Um, yeah, I'm more likely probably to pick up a, a gun than I am um, a stick bow. Actually, you'd laugh. So my wife, this was, yesterday was her first time shooting a, a rifle uh ever and antelope hunting and 40 and 50 mile an hour wind a storm came through and uh it it was um it was pretty wild and it was fun for her she got a little bit frustrated she missed a couple times but you know the more you you do it um you know like I was trying to explain to her I'm like hey I've been doing this my whole life so like target acquisition you know, reloading after your first shot, like, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. She's not used to any of that shit, safe and fire. You know, I told her five times, you know, back is safe, forward is fire. And she mm-hmm. screwed that up once, and she was getting mad at herself. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> Jesus, like, it, it's new. Like, don't don't get frustrated. We got plenty of antelope and plenty of ammo. Don't, I mean, we'll get one. And she ended up making an amazing 400-yard shot. But it was the first – she had missed a couple half that distance, and when I, I, I came out of the creek bed, I had a perfect, I mean, prone prone rest, and I got it padded up on the front of the gun, got it the rear padded up, I dialed it up to 16, and I could hold steady in a, you know, four-inch circle on that deer with that rest, or on that antelope, and I'm like, honey, you, you'll hit it on this one, do not worry, this is perfect. He was standing broadside and, uh, yeah, she made it, made a great shot and was, it was, it was, uh, I was more excited to see her shoot one than I was when I shot mine.
1: What rifle and caliber was she
0: shooting?
1: Uh, 6.5 PRC. Nice.
0: And big. it was an XLR industry chassis and a Viking armament build.
1: All right. So, so that's her first big game animal with a rifle. Yeah. Did I hear that? Okay. So I was thinking about that when I was hunting with the muzzleloader that, um, um, you know, I have to wear contacts to be able to do this. But I can shoot my muzzleloader. You know, about 200 yards is is you know a pretty sure shot. You know, after that, I, I, I can shoot a, a foot group at 300. You know, but that's in perfect conditions off of a bench rest. And I was thinking about this that you know, my dad. My dad is what 70, and they were they were just coming off of the open sight era in the you know late 60s when they really got into hunting and, you know, not everybody had a four power scope, you know, and they were, I still remember all the rifles had, um, when they put scopes on them, they still had all the sights on them. You could look through the scope and still see that big front sight on the front of that, uh, Winchester model 70. But I was thinking that, you know, it wasn't that long ago, everybody was hunting with open sights, you know, just a generation or two ago. And to me, that's always a limiting factor is your open sight. That's when they make all these funky muzzleloader rules, you know, no sabots and no pellets, blah. It's like, that stuff is not what's making you shoot further it's the it's the sighting system and so this is where i'm going with this and here we are like just a couple generations later and and a lady who's relatively new to hunting just happened to marry into crazy hunting and you know she's out there her first big game animal with a rifle 400 yards Gosh, dude, it wasn't even a generation ago. I remember when 400 yards was a mile. Dude. I mean, you know, you you did 400 <laughs> yards, you know, you sent the story to Outdoor Life, and, you know, they paid you 500 bucks for the story, and and so, um, uh, you know, that's, it's just amazing to me what what we can do with, with our weapons and everything, and, uh, you know, I just, gosh, dude, I remember missing, dude, like 15, 20 years ago, before all the hash marks and dialable stuff, and I remember missing deer at 400 yards, you know, I didn't even want to shoot that far, because, oh, man, I got to get closer, there's a chance I'll miss, and, you know, part of it was you didn't have a rangefinder, so you didn't know well, if they were really, you know, three fifty or five fifty. I
0: was just going to dive in there. It's the not as not just the rifle or the scope, but also the rangefinder was the big. That's a game changer. That that literally for the industry was is is game changing and anything. And she is spoiled. Amy has like an Octavids all right out of the gate. She's got two <laughs> two brand new Matthews best arrows, best you know. She's with Camo, and we had a. I had a uh, VX-5 loophole on there, custom turrets, and, you, you know, I don't, I didn't tell her this at the time, but I'm like, I remember hunting with a thirty thirty lever action where 75, I can shoot my bow now mm-hmm. better than I could the thirty thirty. Um You know, in, in my, you know, I hunt obviously with a recurve, but, you know, it it's still not a gimme ever if you don't. You know, you got to put the time in, and obviously, with with if you were doing that on your own, you know, it's a little bit nerve wracking. But you know, she's got a custom seven thousand dollar, you know, gun in her hand and a three thousand dollar <laughs> scope and three thousand dollar binos, and so she has it easier than you and I had. And and the other thing I was trying to tell her was like, look, when you when you start out doing this at five or six, shooting Tweety birds with a BB gun or squirrels or whatever. Mm-hmm you are picking things up you don't even know and then you get mm-hmm. you know 10 12 and you you're you're out now you're now you can hunt and so by the time I was 18 or you were 18, you had a lifetime of experience that people now that are getting into hunting at 35 and 40
2: mm-hmm. it,
0: it, they've got a lot to learn and and this is just about you know familiarization with weapons um mm-hmm. let alone. Fieldcraft, survival, animal characteristics and behavior, scoring—you um, know that there's a lot to learn, and you're not going to do it on the internet. Now, it'll help. Like you own, you're an owner of Rockslide, great resource, right? I got a podcast, great resource. You still got to go do it. That's the best way. Pick what you can. Experience up. is king. Yeah, get out there. Well, and if you and I hunted together, or or good hunters are going to hunt together. Most of the time, from what I've found, there's not a lot of arguing. Everybody has the same general idea on a stock and same general idea of what the animal's going to do. Um, but then, you know, if you if you take those guys and put it in a, a new crowd of guys that are unfamiliar, oh, well, you remember how we well, cockamamie schemes and oh, maybe it didn't. It you learn so much about tar- or animal behavior that. You know, there's you get four hunters together that are very seasoned. There's not a whole lot of diff, different opinions of what's going on that I have dealt with. I don't, what do you think?
1: No, I, I think it's the same. That's why I'm kind of careful who I hunt with. And it's not that I won't hunt with somebody that's new, but I have to like say, okay, I'm going with somebody new on this hunt. I have to like put my expectations at that level. Just realize this is going to be more of a mentorship than it is a hunt. And, you know, um, you know, just there's just going to be issues that if I go with someone like you, you know, you get up in the morning, you don't even really talk. You just you just go hunting. You know, you know what you know what everybody's going to do. You know, you, you, like I said, you, you, not not a big not a big argument over a stock or anything like that. And so uh, so if, if for guys that are getting in new, and I you say that's the best thing about the internet is at least we can we can still get new guys into it, so all the greenies don't get to take over the the wildlife resource of North America. Is that? Just trying to get a mentor. And, you know, it doesn't have to be Jim Shockey. I mean, you just get somebody that's, you know, been on the ropes a few times and, and you can shorten your learning curve so much. You know, reading, I'm with you, Aaron, reading on the internet and doing videos and everything. That's great. But if if that's all you do, it, it really only gives you enough information to be dangerous. Where if you can get out and go with somebody and, you know, spend some time in camp, be a listener. Just, just stand back and watch. I mean, that's been some of my greatest experiences as a young man. Was just going with, going with people, and you know, not not driving them nuts with a million questions. Just, just seeing how they do things. And, you know, I, 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 I guided a few times for some for a well-known outfitter back in my late 20s, and I could tell just asking him questions was pissing him off. He just wanted me to sit back and watch. And you know, I, about the third time he cut me off on a question, I kind of figured it out. Was, okay, this this dude is working. He's not here to wipe my nose and make sure, you know, I'm the best hunter on the mountain. And 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 man, it just just took the tension way down for both of us. And I just sat back and watched, and and, and I learned so much. There's still things I learned from that guy that, that 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 I use today. And so, anyways, I don't know where I'm going with all that, other than if you're kind of new to hunting. Boy, if you can just get mixed in with some people with experience, it's gonna shorten your learning curve big time you
0: know and and uh man, I'm glad you said that because you may get your experience on archery from a pro shop from a guy that may not may or may not have have a huge resume of of hunting but has a a vast resume on setting up a bow. No big deal. get your info from him on how to get the bow set up and in tuning and then, You may get, you know, your hunting info from someone else and you might learn how to elk hunt from, you know, one person and then, you know, jump in later. What I have found and one of the reasons I've gotten to go on a lot of different hunts where people have invited me. If you're not a dumb shit, if you don't ask a ton of questions, if you don't do anything stupid, you're productive and you've got good eyes, you are a valuable resource to go on any hunt if you're constantly asking questions and you're a dumb shit and you do dumb shit, you're probably not going to get invited on a lot of hunts. And that like, I can grab you Robbie and go on any hunt in the world and be know that all right, I got Robbie with me. He's, he's solid. That's that you're going to get invited. on hunts. <laughs> well, you know, guys are like, how do you and your buddies get invited on all these hunts? I'm like, I got good eyes. I got a decent, you know, idea, you know, I'm good around camp. You know, I build fires and you know, I'm try to be as productive as I can. And, when I go on those and I hang out with someone like uh, the Lancasters or whatever, you know, I volunteer to go on any hunt with them because I shut the fuck up and learn as much as I possibly can the entire time <laughs> and try not to do anything stupid. Um, and you're learning and, and you're getting to do fun stuff. But, yeah, the question thing, it's, it's hard not to ask questions. But if the first thing in the morning you're asking me what you should put in your pack and what you should wear and what – you kind of take a step back, like you said, and you're like, all right, this is a mentoring, you know, trip. And I've hunted with guys that are very well known on the internet that should not be well known on the internet. Um, because they're literally like, all right, what, what, okay, what are we going to do? I'm like, uh, we're, we're going to go glass. Well, what should I bring? I'm like the shit you need to glass. Like, what do you mean? Uh, what do you mean? So, and, and there's other times you go into a camp, like you said, and, you're they're not a lot of talking in the morning. You know, maybe a couple jokes, and did you make coffee, and, and off you go. And, and uh, you know, the other thing, too, is kind of the moral compass. I, I have seen, uh, you know, frontal shots. I've brought that up before. Some guys don't like that. Um, and I, I have seen guys getting these huge arguments over a guy taking, like, a frontal shot. And, obviously, some people's ethics say that that's good, and other people don't like the, the frontal shots. Long-distance shooting is the same way. Some guys like me, I'm not a long distance guy. Like 400 is far for me. Like I'm a I'm a 250 and in guy because I'm a stick bow guy. If I can't get to 250 with a gun, well, you know, you you kind of when you're you and you're finding, you know, your little hunting buddy, you, those are all important things because that can make some wakes later on down the line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, let's talk about that frontal shot. Let me let me just offer the little bit of experience I've had with it. I've been an outfitter since. 2001, so it's a
0: long time.
1: 20th, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this is almost what our 20th year. We're halfway through it, and this is what I've learned about the frontal shot. And um, and I can't remember how you feel about it, Aaron. So I'm just I'm not trying to agree, disagree anything. This is what I've learned. I, I imagine we've taken five to eight elk a year in that 20 years. So let's just say five a year, 20 times. What's that? 100 elk, and the, what I've learned from the frontal shot is, if if you're hunting with a rifle, if you're going to take a frontal shot over about 100, 150 yards, and the animal has to be completely stationary, like he, your buddy behind you just bugled and he is locked on your buddy staring and he's not he's not going to move. That's a doable shot if you have enough rifle, um, you know, minimum 270, 150 grain bullet and up. Okay, if you're a great shot. You're able to shoot sub MOA off of a bench, and you are locked in against a tree. You are prone, whatever. Go for it, and you know where that little softball-sized spot is on the, nel- uh, on the neck of an elk or you know fist-sized on a, on a deer. Yeah, 100, 150 yards, go for it. A bow, probably 20, 25 yards, and again, you know, you better be a you better be an, an MOA shot at a bow, meaning two inches at 20 yards. Um, I, I can handle that. But most of the wounding loss I've seen has been outside of those parameters. 30 to 50 yards with a bow on a frontal, 300 with a rifle, or just not a good, good steady shot. And so for me, it's just crunching the numbers. I don't want to take a frontal shot if it's outside those, outside those boundaries. But no one will convince me that a frontal shot is not and deadly, knock them on their butt, walk 20 yards and fall over um, and with a rifle they may not even walk that far. Um, that's That's been my experience with a frontal shot. What what? Where do you stand on the issue?
0: Almost mirror image. I, I tell people 1 to 150 with a rifle and 15 to 25 with the bow if you can hold your mud. Now, the pros to a frontal with a bow is if you do not contact animals just going to have a You know, it's going to be wounded, but it's not going to be a mortal wound and it's going to shake it off. It's going to be fine. Not that you want to wound an animal, but you know, when you come to as an outfitter, as you know, you come to a camp generally a lot of times, guys. The outfitter is going to have you, you know, ding the bell a few times, take a couple shots, make sure your gun's still on. We always use that and still do to see if the guy, what kind of shot he is, what kind Mm -hmm. of can he hold his mud. And so. There's some times where if I'm helping out, I am immediately have um, deemed that guy not worthy to take a frontal shot if it was three feet in front of him because he'll still <laughs> put, screw it up. But there's, there's other guys, and I'm a huge fan of the frontal shot in the right situation, and I've taken a ton of elk that way. But, you know, a good example, if the bull goes to full bugle in your face at 20, I'm shooting. He does not know you're there. He's making all kinds of noise (laughs) and his heads up, and he's screaming, "Shoot!" That's a good good chance. But if he's locked up, muscled up on you, and he's at 27 yards, and you got a stick bow or a compound, and he's giving you that sneak look, he's that may not end up in your favor, right? I mean, that's yeah, that that, and that's how you get hit him in the shoulder when they spin out. You hit him right. No denying, it's it's a bloodbath. But there's guys that I know that I would. I would have shoot a frontal shot every day of the week inside of 30. There's other guys at three yards. I'd be like, yeah, you might want to wait for it to turn broadside. Cause the last time I saw you shoot, you forgot to look through your freaking peep site. And, uh, you know, this may not yeah. end up good. So you kind of got to go off of how the person or you are as a shot. And for me personally, hunting solo a lot, I, I don't mind the shot, but it can be, it can be deadly. But if you're not, if you can't keep your crap together, you're, you're, it may not end up well. And same thing with a
1: rifle. I'm with you and that's that's why I like to have at least a standard because if you're just if you're just going to rule out frontal shots cuz I know guys that do and and that's okay. if That's what works for them, but man if you're going to rule out frontal shots, okay, so so you just and you probably know this better than me, but how many uh bugling elk now are you going to have to pass up, you know, cuz you're probably 30 to I'm guessing 30 to 50% of of the elk you call in, if you're a caller, you're going to be presented with a frontal shot, and, um, you know, maybe if you wait, you'll get a broadside, but, you know, so are you willing to just leave 30% of your shots on the table and say, I'm not going to take it, and then with mule deer, um, you know, I'm not a great mule deer hunter with my bow, but I've taken a few with it, Um, it's not uncommon to get a frontal shot on mule deer as you're sneaking in, and they stand up, you know, because sometimes you screw up, and they just, they hear you, or they know something's up, and they'll stand up, and they'll watch, and um you know jason carter killed that 220 something buck in utah with his with his bow on a frontal shot and either that buck stood up or it just started feeding on its own when he was stalking it and that's all he had but he was like man it was like 22 yards you know i'm i'm rock solid i'd been on the stalk for a long time i was calm it wasn't like i just jumped the buck and you know the buck just stopped and could make out something out there but wasn't Spring loaded, ready to explode. Man, he killed that buck so fast. So, so I guess all I'm saying is, if you're going to rule out the frontal shot, okay, that's fine. It, you know, no, no problem. But you're also going to leave some shots on the table that you that you have um, you might you, you might you might have been able to make. And so, whatever whatever you are at, where you're at as a hunter, that's the decision you need to make. You know, Aaron and I are just throwing it out there that that can be a deadly son of a gun, and I hate I hate not to 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 take it if I can make it you know white
0: white tail hunting which i do a, a pretty good bit of i'm somewhat addicted to it i don't mind that cornering two kind of frontal where i'll split the uh front shoulder and the neck uh in again we're talking sub 10 yards um mm-hmm. but it, again that's not a shot everyone should take but it's a shot i've had great luck with because you're taking out all the goodies going straight down you know you th- through there um yeah, oh, you're about, talking from the top. shooting from, down out of a tree stand. Out of a tree stand. Yeah. I mean, it. You're splitting the shoulder just like when you peel the front shoulder off when you're when you're quartering them. It doesn't take a lot of ass to go through that, but it does take a pretty good amount of accuracy because if you're off a couple inches to the right or left, uh, you know, you got to be you got to be able to hold your your mud. But in the right situation, that's another good shot. And I've gotten, you know, bashed over that too. As you know, I've gotten bashed over. There's you not know, a whole lot I haven't gotten bashed over. I. I Texas heart shot a deer last year at eight yards and I would have taken that shot every day of the week on those specific circumstances. That buck died in 40 yards, man. They had a whole thread on archery talk bashing the shit out of me about it. And I get it. You know, Hey, I, it's not a shot you want to take. You know what? Nine times out of 10, it's a shot. I probably wouldn't have taken, but that buck, I was in a a shorter ladder stand. He came in, circled the ladder. He kind of went down the draw, which I was, basically my tree stand was in and he came up a rise he was perfect height and he was eight yards away and he stood to, he he looked up he was looking up at a doe I, I made the shot and the buck died in 45 yards mm-hmm. that's not a shot that everybody I mean again I got blasted for it same circumstances I will take that shot every time three percent change I wouldn't take the shot when I say three percent if he was more known that I was there, if he would have caught, let's say, let's say he hit my track on the way in and muscled up and then was on edge. He just came in listening for a buck rattling or he heard a buck, you know, fighting. I was rattling. He came in, circled the stand. I had, I was lucky thermals were, were blown up and he walked away and I had just enough of a wind gust to cover my uh, noise of drawing. I hit full draw, hit my anchor. Buck was still just looking around. He was wind checking, basically sniffing does, made the shot. Yeah, that's not a shot that very many people will take, and one I got blasted over. But just as an example, if it would have changed a little, I wouldn't have taken that shot. But in that specific circumstance, I mean, it's a, it's a deadly shot, but it's certainly not one people like. Um, and and that may, you may be thinking you're out of your mind as I'm telling the story. But no,
1: no. What I'm thinking is that, well, a lot of people shouldn't take that shot. You know, if you personally are against that shot or you don't have the whatever you call it, what, holding your mud – you can't hold your mud? No, no, don't take it. Be be 95% sure you can make the shot. I think a hunter's a little unrealistic. But um, uh, on any shot, I don't care if it's broadside, but I, before the whole PC politically correct crap hit the hunting industry, which unfortunately probably be because of forums like mine and Ryan's is, you know, everybody's got a butthole on an opinion, but before... You know, everybody could rip on somebody in the hunting industry. I'm talking, you know, late 80s, 90s when I was really getting into the hunting mags. You know, Chuck Adams and, you know, Larry Jones, and Dwight Shoe and, you know, man, all, all those guys. Those guys were talking about those marginal shots in their articles. I remember it. I remember, like, whoa, this dude shot a freaking deer in the ham and on purpose. You know, well, it was 12 yards away and the deer had its flipping head down and he knew right where the artery comes in and, Proof's in the pudding. He killed it. That, that stuff was happening, but then PC hit the hunting world, and everybody now is against everybody else. And my gosh, you can't do this. And 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 it's kind of unfortunate because it doesn't take into account the differences in 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 hunters and you know cultures. And I just listened to a radio show this weekend. They were talking about snagging salmon. Gosh, don't quote me where. I think it was Washington or there's places up there. It's it's totally legal to, to snag salmon. Look, you snag a salmon down here, man, they string you up. You know, you're the most unethical guy that ever walked the earth. You know, you need to be canceled. And so I guess what I'm getting at is it's a little bit each to their own, but when, when people get high and mighty on that stuff as well, you should or you shouldn't. And I think that that's not taking in, you know, all the differences in skill sets and, 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 and you know, like I said, culture and, you know, things that are expected. And everybody's everybody hates Utah because they allow baiting and you know maybe someday they'll, they'll they'll do away with it but that that's a cultural thing I mean that's that's just something that's that's accepted down there and you look in in Boone and Crockett it's either in their their fair chase statement or in their bylaws but it, it says something about taking in the you know you, you've got to take in the cultural aspects of the area that you're hunting because there's all these you know these different hunting cultures out there and you know, you can, you can sit over the Idaho line and say, oh, man, all you guys in Utah, man, you shot that buck on a pile of apples. And, you know, y- y- you sound holy. You sound holier than thou because you're not doing it. But at the same time, man, if that state's got a, a big history of it. And I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. It's really up to the people. But, you know, when somebody gets on my forum and we have a 33-page thread because Aaron shot the artery out of a, out of a buck, it's just like, ah. This is more divisive than it is health. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. And, you know, you, you bring up the PC time. Uh, let's let's talk about Fred, now that I've gotten into the stick bow stuff, right? Fred Bear is the pinnacle of, of everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fred Bear didn't wear camo. Fred Bear, we- okay, they take all of that, but you can hear Fred Bear say repeatedly, well, I have to get inside of stick bow range sub-60 60 yards. 60 yards is what Fred Bear said. <laughs> I've shot, as as you know, I, I can shoot the stick bow relatively well. I've shot a few animals at 40. I've been told it's unethical many, many times. Same guy telling me it's unethical also said I'm stupid for wearing camo because Fred Bear wore plaid. Well, Fred Bear also said inside of 60. Um you know, so people take what they want to uh, to stir up crap, and you you have a forum, right? You know how it is, and mm-hmm. yep. and, and, it, and if someone doesn't, you know, it's specific. If someone doesn't like me, they're gonna, you know, great, they they found a reason to, to to bitch or whatever. But the the reality is, if you're comfortable with the shot, and the animal is um, he is not alert, and it's and it's it's something that makes sense. I always tell people, look, man, if if you can hit quarters at twenty yards. And a lot of guys can or fifty cent pieces. Um, animal's not alert. Take the frontal shot. You're going to be fine. Uh, make sure the animal's not alert. You know you got to have some common sense. If they take that shot one time and they have a bad experience, they may never take it again, and that's their choice. But I don't think bashing someone for taking a sub twenty yard frontal shot is good for the, you know, for the industry because. It's you, not, you can't blueprint it because there's guys that shouldn't be taking broadside shots at 20. And just cause let's say they wounded one and it was broadside. Oh, it's okay. It was broadside, but a guy kills one at 20 facing him. Well, he's, he, you know, he should have never taken that, even though it panned out skill set, all that stuff comes into play.
1: I'm with you, dude. It's not good for the hunting industry. We're not taking into account the differences in people. We're really not. And, and when, when, when you're getting on your soapbox, and saying it should be a certain way, man, you're getting way out there, and I, I just—it's just—it makes for for a lot of hits on your Facebook page and and rock slide and whatever. But for me, I'm just standing back saying, all we're doing, even if it's in a passive-aggressive way, is attacking one another here, you know. And um, you know, most guys have any humility—humility uh, humility at all—they'll get on, they'll say, "Man, I shouldn't have taken this shot," and you know, you, I mean, if you read their post before you react, they're almost saying that, "Oh, I shouldn't have done this." And dude, yet the bashing that goes on—it's like it's like you know your your your, your alcoholic grandpa jumping on the forum. Oh, I told you, son, you never should have. It's like, oh, gosh, we don't need this in hunting. Gosh, we don't need this. You know, let's let's try to mentor each other. Let's try to help each other. Let's compare our experiences. Very seldom does someone need attacked. You know, very very seldom. Um, and you know, I'm just kind of giving you my perspective from the world, from the forum of the stuff that I see, and it's just like this. This isn't helpful, you guys.
0: Well, it's gotten so bad I don't get on them. I mean, I started yeah. Rockslide with you and and, and uh, you know a few others, uh, Ryan. I don't get on Rockslide ever anymore. Ever. Um, I don't even even when people tell me to get on Rockslide, I don't get on Rockslide because I just can't handle the the negativity. Joking is one thing. I don't, as you know, I'm up compete with anyone in shit talking, but. There's a huge difference, in, and, uh, you know, there's a few people in the industry that are really negative towards, um, uh, you know, public land hunting is a lot different than hunting some private ranch in Montana for elk. And if you if you have the ability, by all means, or you can hunt the Deseret or, or you know, you pick at the strip, yeah, yeah, definitely you should shoot a, a big animal. You know, that's what you get those tags for. But a guy in Colorado hunting, um, you know, Idaho general tags, uh, you you know, if he's hunting OTC or or a low, low draw unit, man, you know, just about any animal in that unit's a a trophy, uh, especially the heavy hunted ones. And you you see guys bash and talk shit about a guy shooting a cow or, you know, where the guy's almost afraid to post the picture
2: Mm -hmm. because
0: he's embarrassed. And it's like, good Lord, what? I remember Mike Eastman told me once, he's like, good Lord, what happened? What was, what, What's the issue with shooting a spike for your first elk? My God.
1: Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly, dude. That's what I'm talking about right there. We don't need that kind of divisiveness in the hunting industry. I mean, look at our country. It's getting torn apart by divisiveness right now. Let's not put that in the hunting industry. You know, there's room for, for all legal, ethical hunters and, you know, whatever they want to shoot, a lot of guys are surprised when they start talking to me that, man, I I support doe harvest if biologically we can do it. You know, certain, some units, like right now in southeast Idaho, we got our butt kicked by a hard winter, so they've they've locked down on doe harvest. That's fine with me. It's no problem, but our deer herd's rebounding. We get a couple of mild winters. We're going to have flipping does everywhere, and I'm all for it, man. Let these, let these people that want to get the meat, let them do that. I'd much rather them shoot a doe than a buck. I mean... If people think bucks-only hunting is going to lead to more bucks, dude, you got some bad pot, man. That is not what's going to lead to more bucks. And you go back into kind of the heyday of mule deer, it was not bucks-only hunting. People could actually shoot a doe or shoot an antler. And so now I'm not saying that's always good. There's like you know the last couple of years in Idaho, you probably not should have not shot a doe. We needed them, but people people treat the resource as it's static, like it's always the same. No, it's not. Look, you get a hard winter in the in the West. Yeah, your deer populations go way down. We've documented it. Thirty, eighty percent. No, you shouldn't shoot does then, man. You get two three mile winters like we did in 13 14 and 15 frick we got deer coming out our ears the same thing happened in 89 through 92 deer coming out our ears and and everybody was getting a doe and buck hunting was pretty good because a lot of those guys were spending their tags on does and i'm not talking alabama where you can get nine doe tags and you know three buck tags i'm talking you know most of the west you get one deer tag and and this is how you can spend it. So, you know, I'm getting on a soapbox there, but I'm just saying that that's why you won't ever see see me oppose doe hunting. I was just commenting on some guys' post this weekend on Rockside and I think Facebook that shot some does. I'm like, hey, man, awesome, man, no shame. You know, you're you're managing wildlife as much as any of us when, when you're doing that stuff. And that's what I'd like to see kind of come back into hunting is that hunting's hunting. You know, we all have our own little niches, our own little specialties. I mean, I think you call me, Aaron, because we like to talk about big bucks, but that's not all there is out there, you know. Mm
0: man, I, it's good. You, I'm glad you brought this up or, or we're talking about this. So my, my wife, right. She, you know, I had this quest like a, you know, to shoot a, a, a big elk over 300 with the stick. And so I took the majority of the season to do that. And, uh, the last three days of season, my wife had a deer tag and I'm like, okay, I've hunted enough. Um, I'm going to help her. And so we, we go out the first day and we spot, course she's spoiled it'd be like you know my wife going with you we see 50 deer the first day right? Just, <laughs> I mean we're in a good spot like I got her a good tag so we there's probably 13 to 17 bucks and there's there's two bucks that I that I you know wanted her to to shoot and it was an age thing and I was I was like honey those are four years old that's a duck we that's a buck we want to shoot um she got Frank put her in she got to 50 yards on a, on her first stock and super excited. And I'm like, well, honey, worst case scenario, we can walk up and down one of these logging roads and whack a doe. And she, she had, and I'm telling you this from social media, she had it in her mind. It was like sleeping with your sister. Like she's like a a doe. And I'm like, (laughs) honey, I'm like one, your, your trophy hunting, um, you know, level and your skill level aren't really marrying up together. Like there is nothing wrong with shooting a mule deer doe, your first stock or your first hunt for mule deer, if the numbers make sense. And I, I talked to her about that. I said, high population of does in this area and uh, not going to hurt, you know, and we were seeing, you know, 50 does a day. And so we, we go the last day we're out. Um, we go and <laughs> there's like the, there's 13 bucks that walked in front of us, various from fork and horn up to, you know, spike. And I, I there was one One buck that was probably four years old as a guest, pretty swayed back and, you know, Roman nose, And she's, we couldn't get in on that buck. And she shot at a three point a couple times and we're on the way out. And there's a doe standing there at at 30 yards. And I'm like, Hey, shoot it, shoot the doe. It's too small. I don't want to shoot the doe. I'm like, what, in your professional opinion, it's too, what are you talking about? It's too, shoot the doe. Well. (laughs) She, I said, you do realize that doe was five or six years old. It was, it was dry. Um, and the buck you just wanted to shoot was two and a half. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I would rather you shoot a five or six year old doe than a two and a half year old buck. I said, the doe is bigger than the buck anyway. And I, so I had to break it down. Well, you know what that shit was from was social media. Uh, you know, she had in her mind, it was bad to shoot a, a doe. And I'm like, honey, in five years. Three years, yeah, we can we can start targeting. You know, I said, hell, honey, I've I've killed more anybody anybody I know with a bow, and I still suck at trophy hunting. I'm like, your ability has to marry up with your trophy hunting. Um, you know where you set the bar, and if you're if you're a 190 buck hunter with a a hundred a inch buck skill level, you, you're going to go home empty handed and unhappy a lot. And that's what I told her. I said, honey, as you bridge up in your skill set you know, we'll start shooting bigger and bigger stuff. I'm like, there is nothing wrong with a five or six year old doe as a guest, you know, looking at a big fat thing. She ended up shooting uh, a doe that was, you know, was 140 pound, 150 pound doe. It was dry, you know, it's about what you want. And I, you know, she, it was, it was enlightening for her learning. It was, she learned a lot from that hunt, not just about hunting, but also how conservation works. Shooting a dry doe, you might as well shoot it. It's dry. You know, you, you
1: bet you just <laughs> saved winter range for one of our bucks.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and so that was, and, and again, a lot of that's from social media, you know, she sees all these, you know, you only see the highlights. Well, I'm pretty good about posting all my screw ups, which I get bashed over, but most people only post the highlights of their hunting. And man, that's like a false, uh, it, it, it's a false persona. It's, it's not the reality of, of, I mean, look at this way, Rob, if you go hunt, um, six hunts in your trophy hunting, you're looking for that wild factor curb appeal, older buck out of six hunts. How many do you think you're going to be successful on, on a standard?
1: I can answer that right now. About one. I'm about one for six. And these are usually five- to ten-day hunts, too. I, I hunt about 30, 40 days before I get to pull the trigger on on an old, you know, four years old and above buck is, is kind of been my off-the-cuff average. And so there's a lot of times I'm coming home with nothing.
0: Now, if you were Most hunting for a buck, meaning, you know, let's say we'll kick out two and younger, three-and-a-half and older, you would Every probably hunt. be successful. Every hunt. Every dude, hunt, dude.
1: I just passed yeah. up... <laughs> 15 of those and when this film comes out in about a week people go subscribe subscribe to Rockslide's youtube channel look at how many of those nice bucks i, I passed up i'm not bragging i'm just saying that's that's what i had to do but yeah if it's if going back to earlier in the podcast if it's about the me oh yeah you can use it usually get it done in a couple of days Um, you know, I'm talking muzzleloader rifle, archery, maybe a little bit longer, but, but yeah, if you're just, if you're just filling the freezer and there's no shame in that, I want to make sure people understand that. No, you can get a, dude, I know guys that don't even hunt that much. They get a four point every year because they're just a little bit more selective. They're good hunters, not big four points, but you know, two, three, four year old bucks, you know, they're maybe their first four point rack. So, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but but uh no just just a couple of days unless you're just in a really poor unit
0: and, and the only reason why i'm talking about this is you know for people to get perspective on on uh on life and how it works like if you are when it comes to hunting i would say in the right units um when i say good units maybe ones that are a little bit under the under the covers people don't know about but you you with a bow every three days could probably shoot a two or three year old buck in a lot of different units and a, and a lot of people a lot of people do. Um, you start getting into that four year old, uh, I would say a good bow hunter or a good muzzle loader hunter can pretty easily inside a seven days five days put down a four year old buck. I'm not talking about what size the horn are horns are just the age. Uh, a good hunter. Now you start talking where you want. Four or five plus and you want that buck to be in the high 170 uh range you've went from maybe shooting one in five to seven days to maybe shooting one every two to three years uh depending upon the unit and with the bow depending upon where you're at and, and everything else um y- uh, if you can't shoot for shit, you may not, you may get a shot, right? <laughs> but you may not get one for every six years. I mean, you also have to have the skill set of shooting behind it. And so there's a lot that goes into that. And when you get into that three-year-old or less category, they're just dumber. You know, they give you more time to shoot. They, they, they come back every day a lot. Four, four-year-old bucks, I don't know what your opinion is, four-year-old bucks will come back a little bit more. You get a five- or six-year-old deer, that fucker disappears for five or six days sometimes if you blow him out. And he may not come back. And so it takes a high skill set to do what you're doing and be successful at it.
1: You gotta eat a lot of tags, and it's 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 depressing, but it's it's just how it is. I, I compare hunting big mule deer to to what I've heard about war before. Now I've never served, but I've heard this a lot. War is ninety-seven percent complete boredom, three percent complete excitement over the top emotions that's kind of how hunting big mule deer are for the for the DIY guy I mean I go on a lot of uneventful pretty dang boring hunts but when it comes together oh man there's nothing more exciting for me
0: no you're you're right and and sometimes magically come together when you don't even mean them to meaning um you may and in some cases especially when you start talking about high country buck it may be a hiker that blows a deer out that you get to see that you would have never seen. Mm-hmm. But a hiker sort of screwed up your hunt, but actually made your hunt because that buck runs off. You got eyes on it. You put it, you bet him down. And it was a hiker that actually put you in the game. And then there's other times Frank this year in the high country, he hunted seven, eight days. He saw one buck in the entire time. Now he saw hundreds of, well, I mean, not hundreds. He saw a pile of deer. He saw one mature buck while he was up there. That's just the luck of the draw. Some years we had a drought year it was super dry. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, so being able to, you know, if if you've got a, your, your site set on a four or five plus year old deer, you may not have that many on the side of the mountain to pick from. So you really can't screw up when you go in because you only got one there too. Um, you know, in physical oh, yeah.
1: ability and everything That's else my problem play. right there, Aaron. That's why I don't <laughs> shoot very many deer with a bow. Number one, I'm in Idaho. There's not a lot. But, yeah, what you just said right there, you're after one or two deer that'll that'll make the criteria. And by the time you add, and I'm no Randy Omer, obviously, by the time you add in everything you got, you know, uh, uh, stocks that didn't work out or you just didn't even see them that day, you know, you can be there 10 days. And, Dude, I, I didn't even go on a stock last year with my bow and i didn't have a bow tag this year so obviously two years in a row because of that right there just just simply that you know it's it's all the stuff you got to overcome and so anyways um hey dude i wanted to say something you were talking about that hunt with amy um i always listen to your podcast and um unless my kids come in the room and you're throwing out the f-bombs and dude i gotta turn it (laughs) off man by the way you haven't done any f-bombs today dude are you feeling okay
0: it's you, man. So I knew with with you on here, you're more a bit, bit more righteous than I am. So I thought
1: I'd tone it down. But anyways, dude, when you were, I, I, don't, I I think I just listened to it last week because I was gone for a bunch in September. So I don't. I think it was the hunt you were just talking about with Amy, when when you were talking when she could see the deer and she thought the deer was looking at her. You're like, no, that deer's like a thousand yards away. He can't see us. She's like, no, don't move. Oh, frick, dude, I was cracking up over that. Because I've seen that with a couple of the new hunters, like, oh, crap, he just looked this way. And I'm like, dude, he's a mile and a half away, and we're looking through the BTXs. Oh, shit, dude, don't move. Don't skyline yourself. And, oh, it's just just funnier than, than heck. And, and, dude, the uh, so your your podcast cracks me up. And the, the, other, the other moment that I still laugh about, and this is probably like two or three years ago, was when you classed up that dude right below you, dude, and he was getting ready to take a crap.
0: So that okay, so the uh w- we've ended up becoming really good friends, that hunting group and that dude, and so it was funny because so that and you can appreciate this right you got oh,
2: yeah
0: you've got you know f- you know i'm I'm considering myself without trying to be too arrogant a, a you know a, a fairly successful killer you've got you've got now four killers on the mountain, three in one group and then me, and the one killer goes and takes a poop right below you. And you're like, okay, I guess he did not see me because I thought they saw me. So I wander down there and this guy says immediately, he goes, I know who you are. Um, you posted a photo up of a of a buck. The buck I almost killed myself over. They ended up shooting it in uh in a in in another area in rifle season. It's it was two oh three, um, thirty-two inches wide. R- real good buck. I missed him at twelve yards in the cliffs holding on for dear life. And Anyway, I meet these guys. We're, they're great friends. I mean, the dudes are awesome, but we, we all, uh, we, you know, we hunted, you make the best of what you got, right? I, you know, it's public land. Well, (laughs) these guys, you know, we spent 12 days together on the side of a, of a, of a mountain, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's funny how relationship, you know, you got to make the best of what you got. And, The thing is, is when you're in like the Northwest Territories, the Yukon, wherever, you don't, you don't have any hunting pressure, right? You can wait as long as you need to. And, you know, in in Utah is probably the worst, but when you're in the high country and, you know, for, for example, and you've been in the high country a bunch, you could have deer hunters that are, you know, from a, from back East that don't know what they're doing, set up their camp right in the basin. Mm -hmm. Seems like a good idea, except that's where all the deer are and so then the deer are all running for life and limb and, uh, they've repositioned and you're looking down at these guys, cussing them in your mind. And I'm trying to, well, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And then you're, then you're like faced with the moral dilemma. Do you go teach them? Cause now they're your competitor or do you just keep right, letting them right, camp in the middle right. of the basin? And then, you know, you're pretty well known. I'm well, you know, then it's like, do I want to show my face? Do I want people to know I'm even, I'm even here? Cause
1: you know, I the, just hide. Well, that's the thing.
0: Somebody sees the great, you know, Robbie Denning giant mule deer slayer. You're not there for your fucking health. I just dropped the F bomb. Sorry.
1: You're not there for for your health, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you're you're there because there's big deer there. So you see Robbie. Well, Robbie's not there to shoot does, right? He's there for a reason. So you almost have to hide.
1: I, I do it in some places I do because even if it's just, like, people think if I'm in a spot that I, I go there all the time and there's always a big deer, deer there. It's not that way. Some years they're there, some years they're not. That's why I have a bunch of different places. But I've learned that they, they just automatically think this is a hot spot, I'm coming here, and then they end up living there. So, yeah, dude, sometimes I hide. I'm like, oh, crap, I don't want those guys to see me over there. But And then sometimes I'll run into guys and, you know, they'll know me, and I'm like, man, if you guys like the spot, don't don't tell anybody you saw me here. We get a good laugh out of it. And I'm like, "Hey, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you if you tell people that really don't understand how hunting works and that, you know, big bucks are like crops, some of you have a you have a good one in one place, other years you have a good one in another place. They're they're not going to understand that and they're they're going to ruin this place. I've seen it on a unit-wide level. So uh, but anyways, dude, back to the poop story. Did you tell the dude that you saw him through the 95s? Oh, we're,
0: we're, we're friends now. Oh yeah. I walked right down when he finished up and was talking to him and
1: it, <laughs> uh, dude. Hey, it, well, tell me this dude through the 95s, man. If it, if it would have been an, Olymp- an Olympic event, would you have given him a 10 for hang time? I know. Right? Like, Hey dude, I, I'm <laughs> giving you an 8.5. Uh, ever since I heard that, dude, that was a couple years ago. I'm like you know what, there are way too good optics in the forest now for me to just stop anywhere and drop my pants. Dude, I go hide, man. I go find the brushiest hole I can find ever since I heard that because, oh, that cracked me up there, so, and that was funny. So
0: that year, so that was 2018, and I about retired. on. The, I mean, luckily I'm tough and dumb because we spent 12 or 13 days in there. Frank got his buck, and finally we just ran out of food. And Frank and I were sharing food. We, we come out. And we go back in, and I'm like, "Look, Frank, I, I'm going to cancel whatever hunts I got. I, I cannot lose." And you know how I'm competitive. I'm like, "I cannot lose to these deer. I got to put an old one down, or I'm going to, I will, I won't be able to sleep at night. It'll drive me that crazy." So, we go back in, and the mountains fairly clear now. One muzzleloader hummer, hunter came in, and he bit off more than he could chew. Just getting in there is nine miles.
1: So, Frank, So he was done when he got there.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so, Frank. I thought his appendix burst. What it was, he, he ate so much sushi, he couldn't poop, right? So, <laughs> we wake up, we hike in, you know, and we got in late. Next morning, we wake up, we spot, I don't know if you remember, I shot that big, it had huge bases, that big three by You three. shot that,
1: like, eight-year-old buck, I think. Yep. It
0: was, like, towards the end of the season. Yeah, big, big or eight. Or end big, of your hunt, or
1: anyway. Yeah, I remember the buck, so, so that was the same year.
0: He rode, he was the riding dog of the wide buck that ended up getting shot later on, so... Frank and I go in there and, uh, it, we, we spot the bucks, the two bucks, they were riding buddies and they, they bed butt to butt, one head downhill, one uphill, just like smart deer do. Right. So Frank and I glass and he can barely make it to the glassing point. A storm comes in, we get back in our tents and I can hear Frank moaning and I'm like, Frank, do I need to hit the beacon? And he's <laughs> like, dude, I, something's wrong. And I'm like, so we're in the tents from like eight 30 to 10 30 from the lightning and storm that come in. I'm like, Frank, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go glass. So I find, I find the Bucks, and I'm like, Frank, I'm, I'm going over there, and he's like, I'll, I'll get out of the tent. So he waddles over to the hillside where we're glassing, and I said, look, dude, just tell me he's in the same spot. So I get over there. I actually missed him the first shot. You would He was asleep. It landed in his armpit. I caught some bristle cone on the way down. Landed in his armpit. Buck stands up, sniffs the arrow. And Frank's cussing at the the camera filming me because he thinks the buck is right below me and I can see it. And he's like, Look up, look up and I can't see shit. I can just hear it. Is he on the radio
1: or is he just signaling
0: you? He's signaling me. Okay, gotcha. And and on this, he's not signaling anything. I'm a mile from him. He's just yelling into the video camera that I got to watch later. Oh, okay. I I see. Yeah. So he's like, Look up, Snyder, look up and I can hear the buck, so I'm like, he's got to come left or right. When he does, I, I'm good. It comes. So you out meant,
1: when you said you hit him in the armpit, you mean you shot under him?
0: It literally landed in his bed. You know how when they bed and, and it, it bends? It landed between his hoof and his heart. And so I, I, <laughs> it, it stood up and went to scratch to lay back down, and then it sniffed my wow. feathers, and that was it. He, he immediately muscled up, and I'm like, oh, and I'm lucky he didn't blow out. So he goes out and I shoot him and I, you know, whatever I, we, I kill him. And he ends up being, you know, like, a we had aged he was an eight year old three by three, just an old yeah, buck. I remember. So we go back in the next year and we, we, we hunted the first 10 days of season. Then we went to Alaska and I, you would have been proud. Cause mule deer, I'm a lot more picky than, than I am elk elk are yeah. they're big, no matter what. Right. With, I just like eating them where with mule deer, I'm looking for more of a four year old plus deer. I hunt, I mean, dude, I get blown out of my spot. There was 13 hunters. I hike in three miles farther with Frank. Frank guides me in on eight different stocks, sub 30 yards, and it just didn't pan out. So Frank goes home, right? He packs his deer out. I get in those cliffs above that wide buck, 12 yards, and it's so steep, I have to bump with my butt off the cliff edge, use my limb tip to balance myself, and then I stood him up and tried to shoot him, and I shot right under him and pretty much shit on my dreams. So I hike out, and we go to Alaska. We go on a goat hunt, and that's when I shot that wolverine. We come back, and I go in solo, and I'm like, Frank, I'm going to backpack in. If it's good, I'll call you. I don't know. You've hunted a lot more in that later season, but the deer are doing different stuff in the end of September. September.
1: Yeah. Velvets off. Especially high country.
0: Yeah. They're different animals if there's no feet up high. So anyway, I ended up shooting, um, which was actually one of the coolest hunts I've done. It it was a a three-and-a-half-year-old 4 by 4 It wasn't anything special, but as far as like— Solo hunt? Oh, yeah, solo, 11 miles in when I shot that thing. So I I get on this buck, and you'd laugh because I spotted a mile away, and it was one of those deals where it was like— you know uphill both ways when your dad's telling a story getting to this deer was uphill in every way like there was nothing easy to get over to him there was there was six bucks I stalked in I ended up shooting him at nine yards what was crazy is when I shot him there was a forked horn I didn't see four yards to my right and when he jumped up when I shot the buck I about shit myself because it I did not know it was there it jumps up I get this buck I pack it out and I call Frank. I'm like, "Hey dude, do you want to come down and help me pack out this deer?" Dude, I couldn't find a flat spot hiking it out to where I was supposed to meet Frank. It's snowing. I like an idiot, I didn't put any of my rain gear on. It's sleet. Lightning's hitting and I'm like, "I got to find a place to sleep somewhere tonight." And then Frank comes in and we, you know, we get, we, we pack out the deer or whatever. You know,
1: that's- so You stayed with the deer? Is that what you're saying? There was no flat spot right around the deer.
0: No, dude, I had to hike a mile and a half out to find a flat spot. so Where
1: you could even sleep. So took, you just left the deer? And no, then you and Frank, when Frank came in? It,
0: what was funny is I had a bane lid. It's just one of our lids. I literally was too lazy to go back and get my big pack because I was like, I'm not climbing back up and over the top. Because I went in super light because it was horrible terrain. I fit three quarters of that deer in that it's 2,000 cubic inches. Dude, it was like wearing literally a Teletubby backpack, like no, no suspension. I had a game bag in my left hand, my bow in my right, my lid full, climbing up this summit. I get to my big pack. I load everything in there and I start hiking out trying to find flat ground. I've got everything with me and a blizzard hits. And I'm like, kid, experience though. Like, and this is where I try to talk to, you know, you have trophy places, trophy animals, experience. I hunted more that year for mule deer that season. Now I didn't come home with a giant deer. It's a 125 inch deer. It's nothing exciting, but dude, I tell you what, I was on, well, a 30, 32 inch wide three by, or excuse me, a four by four that was that scored 203. Uh, They shot it with a rifle. I was on that buck. I stuck with it. I was on multiple other giant deer. I got my money's worth out of that tag. Now, did I take home a giant? No, but man, I wouldn't change anything other than shooting a giant because, dude, it was just an awesome experience. and Trophy
1: experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trophy experience. It'll be a hunt. And I can just tell you talking about it'll be something you remember the rest of your life. And people have to be able to, I hate to use the word subtle, but people have to be okay with that because if you're hunting for better animals, it's going to be that way most of the time unless you're rich and you're really able to, you know, consistently buy good tags to good properties or, you know, good landowner tags. I get skunked way more than I, than I'm successful. But if it's exciting, like what you just said, man, that's what keeps you going. That's why when all of a sudden hunting season's over after about a week of not thinking about it, man, I'm thinking about it hardcore until it opens again.
0: Well, and you, we talked about the forum stuff. I had a couple mess people message me, you know, why did you shoot that little buck? And I'm like, eh, <sighs> you know, and I don't, <sighs> I don't get Delete. You know, a lot more. Of, I got a lot thicker skin than I, than I used to. Cause I'm like, eh. I wanted to, I was like, I got everything. I got 26 days of hunting in one season. Um, Or no, that season actually wasn't because we went on the goat hunt. I got 22 days of hunting in the season, multiple big bucks. I went back in solo, late season, the only seven deer, mm-hmm. six deer I saw, I mm-hmm. killed one of them. And is it a trophy hunter mentality? You would have never shot that buck. A lot of people wouldn't. Bow hunters would, you know, I mean, like when I say bow hunters, Hey, not true. I shot a
1: three-year-old buck the last day of the season in 2017. Well, I like to eat them, too, right? And, and I know so... it was three because I had it age. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You have to take into consideration the hunt, the tag, the freezer, all of that stuff. Unless you're just wealthy and you can just say, hey, I don't care if I just lost my Alton Ponsagot tag and I didn't, I didn't kill a giant, I'm headed to the, I got a landowner tag in uh, one of the best third season units in Colorado. Unless you're that guy. You can't be too hoity-toity about this stuff. Well, you end up without an elk like I did. Yeah, I mean, that—that's when I,
0: I was so happy when I shot that. Like my wife, because as you know, I don't show a ton of emotion when I shoot an animal. I've just always been fairly calm. I called her. I'm like, I got one, I got one. Mm-hmm. She's like, Is it right. big? And I'm like, No, it's doesn't not very. Matter. Yeah, <laughs> she it, doesn't but, matter because of my excitement level. She thought I shot a donkey, and I'm like, You know, physically at that point in time, I was 11 miles in. I was two miles from my my crap, all my gear, uh, you know, and I got a a buck down. There's multiple bulls screaming below me. Um, You know, just you couldn't have drawn a better picture of that situation and that hunt. Frank was cool enough to come back in and and help me get it out. And, you know, and Frank and I had spent every day buck after buck going after great bucks. They moved out. I mean, you know how it is with muzzleloader season. Muzzleloaders came in there. Yep. No, and I'm not I'm not bitching about them. I'm just you know, they will push while you're gone. You know, other hunters come in, muzzleloader hunters push the bucks down. Plus, they lost their velvet. Yep, it's a different world a different in the country. Oh, good lord! It's I a mean, different season. There's times a lot of you've those
1: guys because they're packing a muzzleloader, they'll they'll go still hunt those big open ridges because they'll think, well, I'm just going to jump one up, shoot them. So it's been my experience, they actually put more pressure on the deer than the archers because the archers are willing to sit back because they're like, hey, the only game in town is get these deer bedded up. Oh, it, yeah.
0: And and the guy I talked to, he was packing out a giant buck and he, he knew who I was and super cool dude. I'm like, dude, I, I, I said I was on that buck, uh, big three by four. Um, I I was on that buck. Uh, he, You know, we talked and he was like, yeah, dude, I shot him right there. And he hunted very smart, right? He told me what he did. And then he said, dude, there's three other jackasses back there. They've scared literally everything on the mountain. And I mm-hmm. still got a three-mile hike to go, and I'm like, huh. Yeah, this isn't yeah, going to make this f- three-mile hike very easy because <laughs> now I'm wondering if there's anything back there. But, uh, Well, I, you know, I think, though, uh, before I get too far into this and forget, uh, I, fi- I read your book finally. Um,
1: All right. I, I, I know,
0: dude. I don't read nothing against you. I'm just not my I, – I listen. I'm an audio book guy. I did. I, it was good. I was, uh, thank I, you. everybody that hunts mule deer needs to read that. Even if you actually think you know what you're doing. Um, yeah, it was very well written. Um, you know, I read it probably six months ago, um, maybe seven. And you know, I read it really more just so when people ask me, cause I, I always tell people to buy it and they're like, would you like it? And I'm like, oh, I just like Robbie. I didn't read the book. So yeah, I, I read you. it. And, um, man, it's good. Are you, are you, are you
1: working on another one? Sort of. Um, I would love to write another one. Um, I've already got a bunch of the stuff put together, but to 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 just sit down and get it together, um, I had that kind of magical four month window when I wrote Hunting Big Mule Deer back in 2014. You know, this is when you were you were still with Rockslide with us, and I just had a, just a few months there where everything came together. I was able to work on it. I've tried a couple times since then, and, and you know, this is really it's just an excuse, but. Just I'm busier right now than I was then, so it's it's been harder. But um, you know, looking ahead the next couple of years, some things might be changing with jobs and stuff like that, and I might have a little more time to be able to sit down and do it. But dude, I think I could put together another one, and I'd like to do one on just stories. I mean, the, the book you just read. I mean, I think you'd agree there's there's a lot of stories in there, but they're all related on you know how to you know kind of your nine techniques to killing big mule deer, I'd like to just get something together about the stories, because I get a lot of requests from guys about that, about just writing stories, and so, long answer, but yeah, I I, I don't want to put myself out there and say, yeah, it's coming, but I really would like to do another one, it was a lot of fun, and uh, it's been, you know, financially rewarding, it's got to meet a lot of cool people, and it's just, I enjoy writing. I mean, I know a lot of guys aren't big readers anymore, but I really like to write. that's why I've got, you know, 300 blog posts on Rockslide about mule deer, because i
0: I just like doing it. Gotcha. Well, on that note, um, and again, I feel your pain because I've been hounded to write one, and I've been working on one now for four years, and still, other than getting different data together and things like that, have not accomplished uh, much. I'm, I'm just, I don't have the work ethic to write one.
1: I think you got the work ethic, dude. It's t- This is what it took me to be able to write a book. I had to have three uninterrupted hours a day, four to five days a week, where I could just lock myself in my living room, kids were at school, Jody had stuff going on. Just it was just a perfect storm, and and then shut my damn phone off, um, which is, freaking twice as crazy now as it used to be. That's I, th- I think Aaron, if you could find that dude, you could put something together. And if if you get close to doing it, if you have a rough outline of, you know, just put together your chapters, what you want to do, let me know, dude. I've, I've got a good editor. And once I hired my editor, yeah, it cost me a lot of money, but it was totally worth it in the sense of, number one, the book paid for the editor in the first two months, three months of sales. Yours would probably take like 15 days to pay for the editor. And once I kind of had that, I mean, she wasn't, it was a lady, her name's Kelly Anderson. She wasn't hounding me, but she kept me focused. Like, hey, you got a chapter this week, you know, I'm working Friday, what are you going to have for me? That, that was as important as any work ethic is what I'm trying to say it was just like, yeah, I got to get this done. And all of a sudden dude, 45 days into it, I'm like, I can do this. This is, this is going to happen. So I I'm just saying that's probably if you could, if you could divorce yourself from the crazy and, and get that time, I think you'd be surprised how fast it came together.
0: You, you know what I've been thinking about? And I shouldn't even say this on the, the podcast cause it's, it hasn't really been done before was doing, doing a kind of a podcast audio book DVD where, you know, I have it, uh, blueprinted out what I want in the book, but I I talk about it. And then part of that is also you and I talking and you telling stories, um, about your mule deer hunt or South, or, you know, if you pick, Mm -hmm. pick right now, let's say top five mule deer uh, killers that you know, and this is public land guys as well as dudes that have more money than you and I could put together in a a year's time frame. Mm -hmm. If you were to pick five, who would they be right now? Archery and and rifle.
1: For just good mule deer hunters that are consistently punching tags on better than average animals? Yep, yep. uh, Can I include outfitters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I think if you're a good outfitter, you're a good hunter. So, uh greg crow scotty thompson travis hobbs sorry travis i said your name buddy <laughs> you're out there now um let's see what that that's three um i can't say his last name but the guy that does all the big deer hunts on the pontagon david verasco verasco yep. okay and you know people can just say oh yeah well he's guiding on the out and then you know he's doing okay but remember he had the he had a tag, too, a couple of years ago, and he killed one of the flippin' biggest deer that are out there. He kills, and a lot of those guys with money still go home empty-handed. Yeah, he so kills I giant would, deer
0: would, with Alex, too. Verosco kills giant deer with my buddy Alex.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the dude knows what he's doing. Okay, so I got to get him out there. So I got Greg Crow, Scotty Thompson, Travis Hogg, David. Uh, dude, obviously Jason Carter. I mean, you know, he's quasi-outfitter, rider, owns Epic Hunts. Probably those guys right there. And out of that list right there, two of those guys, Scotty Thompson and Travis Hobbs. Travis is pissed right now. <laughs> I guarantee because I'm not supposed to say his name. Um, uh, dude, those guys, as far as I know, no outfitters. It's all DIY. All DIY. So, so, um, and, and you know, if I sat here and thought about it, I could probably think of, of a couple more. I mean, because there's some very, very good deer hunters out there. And and part of, part of what I what, what makes for a good deer hunter for me is not so, there's a guy here in town, too, that's, that, that's this way. It's not so much how many big bucks they've killed, it's how many days they've hunted per big buck. Now, I always take that into consideration, too, and I don't ever hear anybody talking about that because, like, I've killed a pile of them, but, dude, you know, that's all I've hunted. I am very inefficient. I, I'm just self-admittedly... For the number of days I've hunt, for the number I've killed, I look at some of these guys. Dude, like Scotty Thompson, dude, has already killed two top-end DIY bucks this year. And, you know, it's not that he just strolled out and did it, but I got more hunting days than he does. And he's already done, done it twice, and I'll bet he does it again. Um, So so some of it is, I'm, I'm including guys, that guy that lives in town here, his name is, um, uh, his first name is Lou. I better not say his last name. He's He's the opposite of social media. He th- he'll think that Antifa will come to his house and burn his house down if I <laughs> if I say his name. But, um, uh, dude, he just is kind of, uh, I don't know, might hunt five, ten days a year. And he's always knocking down 170, 180s. Um, so, so so some of that I take into consideration, too. But th- that first five lists that I named, those are the guys that are consistently knocking on 200s, knocking over 200s. And, and I put Greg Crow in there, too, because, you know, he – Look at that buck he killed on the strip last year. And, yeah, he hired an outfitter, but, you know, he still had to kill it. And then um, he killed another buck on the strip like six, eight years ago, maybe ten years ago that was, that was right in there. I mean, the few tags that he's had himself, he's killed giants as well.
0: And, and he's involved in the killing of uh, a lot of deer that he's helped, h- helping out. And so what would you say all those people have in common other than the deer part?
1: freaking hardcore love for mule deer and they don't get discouraged when they don't get
0: one you know what else they are not insta famous that is why no so no No, they're not what i'm what i'm leading up to here um and i I, i've talked with uh a lot of different people about this i'm not saying don't get info from me on survival and tech tips and tuning that's my thing right I, i i i can get you out there and you can live in the woods forever that's my deal but you know, I'm not I'm not going to be uh, on the uh, on a list of giant buck killers because well, when I suck at trophy hunting, you got to pick if you're getting info from guys. You know, you want to kind of pick it, in and, and and some of the social media, the more. And I'm not this isn't a, a shit talking thing. It's just for something for people to think about. Yeah, most of the. There's a few out there that are on social media. Uh, Kip Fowler, great bow hunter, shoots giant deer. Oh, I should have example. put him in there too. Yeah, yep. Kip's a great guy. Uh, you're you're another guy. Duplan does good. Um, Duplan, yep. You know, there's a lot of guys. Well, and my buddy Alex, right? He's not killing a lot of deer. He's he's a he's an outfitter and a guide, but he's on giant deer every year out east and in in multiple other animals. And so my my thing that you know when you're getting info from from some of the different people online. You know, you, you can get pretty famous online without doing a whole, whole lot. I try to stay in my wheelhouse because I'm a shitty trophy hunter. I'm good at killing stuff, but, you know, to get out there day in, day out and put these animals on the ground that are giant, you have to have the skill set. You have to have everything. You have to have everything I've got, plus you have to have the patience and the mindset to pass up animals. are isn't very many people like that. I, I mean, pick 100 hunters out there. There wouldn't even be one percentage-wise that can do that i mean guys that can hold out much like yourself you've got to be one you got to have your crap together animal behavior you know the whole nine glassing you also have to have the ability to not shoot and that's one of the toughest things for people to do seven days into a hunt how many people can pass a legit 165 inch four by four four year old deer no no there you can't i see it every year because believe me i'm one of them I'm great the first few days, and then I'm like,
1: yeah, I'm bored. Something's dying today. It's hard to, to hold out. Yeah, and, um, uh, and that's, to me, uh, there, that, you read my book. There's a chapter in there called The One Thing, yeah. and, and that's what that's all about. Yep. Because when it boils down to it, what's the one thing that I, that I see? I can't believe I didn't answer the question that way when you, when you asked me it, um, what those guys had in common. But the one thing they all have in common boils down at the end of the day. Is their ability to pass up lesser animals? They have to, because I don't care how good of a hunter you are. Just the odds are there's not very many big bucks in the area, so you, you're not going to see the big buck first. So you you got to be able to pass them up. That's why I wrote a whole chapter on it. Hey, um, there. So I, I want to add a couple other people to that list now that I'm thinking about it. Um, as you were talking, um, a lady, uh, Nicole Richards. Uh, it's Travis yeah, Roundy's daughter. I, I know she um, is. Uh, she's, and you know maybe she.
2: It's
0: she's, depressing. She's, she's,
1: Dude. Dude, the chick is just <laughs> knocking them down. I'm like, and she kind of is, yeah, inf- I'm looking at it right now. She's got 30,000 followers. I guess I don't know what qualifies for infofamous, inf- but, but she does get it done. She really does. Um, I don't know her tag situation. It looks to me like some of the stuff is just regular old tags that she's hunting. Her husband, I think his name is Skyler. He's a heck of a big buck hunter. Works for Color Country Outfitters. You know, he knows what he's doing. Knows what a what a big deer is. You know, I mean, I I I, I don't say any of these things other than to qualify. She does have some advantages, but she is a hardworking chick. Um, uh, um, just gets it done when she she kills a big deer or two every single year. And then her dad, Travis Roundy, um. Uh, you know, dude, he, well, how many guys have killed a buck north of 250 in the last couple of years? He's one of them. And, um, uh, um, he's Dear Be Dead on, uh, Instagram. Gosh, he, I guess he, dude, he is Insta famous. He's got 46,000 followers. But, but some of this is, is these guys are, and like, he's, he's a very, like, world renowned taxidermist. And, like, Jason Carter, I think he's got, he's got a bunch. But, you know, he runs Epic Outdoors. And so I, I see what you mean about the whole, you can't just qualify, you know, followers with, with, with skill sets because, you know, Greg Crow, I'm looking at him right now. He might have a bunch now, you know, just cause, just cause he's on a lot of podcasts. He's been out there, but let me look and see. He's, he's got 19,000.
0: Um, uh, I can tell you right now. Uh, I, I think Alex Nestor myself and, uh, uh, what's his name? Jesus. I can't remember his name. He, your buddies with him. He lives out here. Big dude. Uh,
1: uh, um, uh, the smart ass guy, he we had to ban him from rock slide. Yes. Nobody could handle him. That's him. Uh, what's his name. He's got two, he's got two first names for uh, a first na- two first names for his first and last name. I uh, dude, I know who you're talking about. We'll think about it in a second. So, uh, cause Even I though we banned him. We like him.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's funnier than hell. Um, well, cause we talked about Greg on the podcast and, and I bring up, you know, my thing is, is like when somebody, uh, if they characterize me as, is this elite, whatever, I'm like, yeah, n- no, you know? can I survive longer than anybody? Probably technically proficient. Yep. Definitely trophy hunter. I can list 50 people very quickly that are better at that than I am. And Greg, Greg's one of them. And so when it's funny, cause I was like, you know, why the hell are you listening to, and I, you know, named a few people off, probably pissed off. And I'm like, when you got, you know, multiple other people and Greg and you, um, you know, are uh, there's others, that are capable, uh, far more capable than some of the more Insta famous people. And I'm not bashing Insta famous people for shit. I'm one no, of them.
1: Am I. It, am I.
0: It's just a simple fact. If I want to go to a, I don't go to the mobile home, uh, warehouse to learn how to build a custom home, right? You're just knocking them down and you're pumping out mobile homes at the mobile home place. You whatever. ever, I want a custom home. I go to a custom builder. Well, When I want to learn to kill giant mule deer and characteristics, I talk to a you or a Jason Carter or a Duplan or whoever. And people need to take that into consideration because as far as it is not easy to put big animals down every year. So whoever's doing it, Listen to them. Don't don't listen to other people because they're giving you good advice. You may not be getting it from other people because the other people you're getting it from are repeating shit. They've overheard. It's not something they're accomplishing every year.
1: Right, right, right. And I'm looking at Scotty Thompson's page right now. He's got 3,350 followers. And yet I scroll down through his feed, dude, he's just full of, and you know, he, and he's pretty much a DIY guy. I don't think, I don't think any of these are landowner tags. I know a bunch of them are not. Um, Dude, lots of 180 to, you know, 200 inch deer. He killed a 2, 228 Pope and Young buck a couple of years ago with his bow. Aged at uh, my service, aged at eight and a half years old. And um, um, yet, a lot of people they just don't even know who he is. I can't even find Travis Hobbs on Instagram. It, it's like Natural Born Hunter or something. But I don't know. Dude, three, four, or five thousand. Yet, for, per day spent, those two guys kill. Best bucks per day spent for how many days they spend out there hunting. And, um, and I'm sure there's dozens of others, you know, and I know where you're going from this, with this, Aaron, just because somebody has, you know, 40, 50, 000 subscribers, you know, you, that, that may not mean anything. That's like having, you know, 20 deer points in Colorado. It may not, it may not get you anything. They're fun to follow. They're fun to watch. They're usually, you know, dynamic personalities. But, um, uh, it's these, it's these guys that fly under the radar. That I just, I just love talking to them. I just, I just really do. It's, it's. I learn a bunch, and you know, they're, they're just a different breed of deer hunters. I guess is the best way to say it.
0: Oh it, yeah, yeah for 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 sure. And I don't uh, like I said. I am not. Uh, this isn't a negative conversation we're having. It's more of a reality check. And there's nothing wrong with being insta famous. Although I will say I just saw, and this was a unique um, on Swarovski Optics page. They had posted up a photo of, of someone, uh, that I don't think has actually killed anything more than grouse. And it kind of (laughs) reminded me, uh, the way the industry's going, right? Like it's, it's unique. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, you know, I do Q and A's and you, you pay attention to some of the stuff I do. I'm answering thousands of optics questions a month, Uh, um, gear questions, you know, things like that. Um. You know, and again, as you know, I don't get into the, you know, I don't do a lot on tactics and stuff. It's just not my, there's better people that than I am. So, but, you know, I, 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 I'm looking at this and I'm like, so let me get this right. I spend 150 to 200 days a year in the field. I shot last year, I don't know, 70 some animals, including, you know, white tailed does or whatever, which isn't anything spectacular, but I got a good, you know, I, I got a decent, Background of what's going on in the hunting and you know you more you're,
1: animals under your belt in one year than I've killed in my life. Well,
0: I just was like, huh, that's crazy. She's she's killed two grouse. She's on Swarovski's page. <laughs> Obviously, you and I are doing something wrong. um You know, it's just it's <laughs> the way I the feel industry sorry is, for
1: is the guys that don't know that and then they look on social media and they see these highlight reels that are, you know, nothing against killing grouse, not not at all. I'm just saying that it it makes it hard to know kind of who to follow and who to listen to if you're trying to become a better deer hunter, sheep hunter. You know, I, I think if you're a sheep hunter, you need to follow Mike DuPlan. I mean, the guy, whether he kills it himself, I mean, he's in on a a big ram or two every single year. But a lot of guys don't know that because, you know, you get – uh, you get deceived by the blue check mark by somebody's name and, 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 uh, anyways, I, I, I don't want to turn it into an Insta bash either. It's just, it's just kind of funny. So, the uh, um, uh, plan
0: was fucking with me yesterday. He called Alex or the day before, and I think he called me Mr. Quantity, not quality, uh, which Mike and I get along, you know, whatever, but <laughs> I'm, you know, I, 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 you know, and again, Mike has changed a bit. He used to make fun of recurve uh, compound guys a bit, and he's, hes you know. We all bit. grow up. Yeah, he's lightened up, and, you know, in, in one hand, I'm like, well, you, know, you think about it. What, really, what, Mike isn't the pinnacle of fitness, right? I mean, he's not a tub of lard by any means, but he's certainly not rocking six-pack abs, uh, but he can get around, right? He's, he yep, can get absolutely. out there. Absolutely. I try to tell people, I'm like, look, being in shape is great and I've never heard a chick come up and say, man, I wish your chest was smaller, right? (laughs) Nothing wrong with having some muscle on you. But when it comes to hunting, discipline, patience, animal behavior, things like that, that's going to put an animal on the ground because I may be able to get to the top of a mountain, let's say three times faster than Mike. But if I shoot the first four-year-old four-point that walks by, eh, doesn't really do any good as far as trophy hunting where yeah. Michael sit there a week or you and wait for, you know, the, the 180, 190 inch deer. And, and when people are asking me these questions this is why I'm talking about all this is you got to have the total package. got to have a certain level of fitness, got to be able to glass animal behavior. Scoring's another thing. Like, I mean, how many people do you know, actually know how to score when you on, you know, social media, everything that truly know how to score a mule deer Probably down in the five or ten percent range of actually people hunting mule deer. Not very many.
1: No, not very many. Because part of it is, is you just don't get an opportunity to see big animals in the field enough to get really good at it. And, and dude, I, I think I've mentioned it in my book, I'm not all that good at scoring. I'm a little disappointed in my scoring ability for how many years I've been hunting mule deer, you know. And um, but you know, part of it is, is big is big. And like you mentioned, that three by four being you know thirty wide. Oh, that's big to me. I don't care if he scores one sixty-two or not. You know, and so I've I've kind of let my scoring skills go by the wayside. But but I agree with you. A lot a lot, a lot of people aren't aren't uh, aren't very good at that. Hey, you were talking about Duplan. If you read my book, dude, you should take the time to read the stuff he wrote in the the Edge that book. Dude, that that's a good book, man. And man, I recommend that for people. And you know, Mike put a lot of work into that. Um, and uh, just just there's some good stuff in there. You know, from a guy that you know, Mike's multi species hunter, but he's done pretty good on big mule deer. Plus his photography stuff just got him around. You know, you talk about animal behavior a lot, all this photography stuff. I mean, you couldn't pick up a copy of trophy hunter in the nineties without, you know, Mike's, Mike's bucks being on the, on the cover, you know, and these are live bucks. Um, may have, may have had some dead bucks too, but, but good book. That was a good read.
0: Gotcha. You know what? I probably won't read that book at a general principle of my anger towards David Long, uh, so probably not going to read it, but I'm not, and do not lump Robbie Denning into anything I just said. That is me totally. Um, but I, uh, I'm still frustrated at David myself. I think you guys passed it
1: up. Did he, did he come back into the scene again? Yeah. He's hunting deer again this year. And you know, dude, I, I have I have, uh, I have a, a certain loyalty to David because I wouldn't be talking to you if it wasn't for David and I wouldn't be part of rock Slide if it wasn't for David. But at, at the same time, I understand your beef totally and, you know, I, I see both sides of it, and I understand why you're where you're at. So maybe if you read the book, you can just read Mike's chapters. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go.
0: <laughs> uh, I like Mike. He he he's a. We have him on the podcast frequently. He he he's. A oh, fun- I listen to him. Yeah, he's a funny dude. Um, I'm gonna have to get him back down soon. He shot that big uh that big ram um you know re- old ram yes. recently mm-hmm. and yeah. and and Mike um you know he's uh I, he's not. You you know when you when you talk to him I mean, he's not like braggadocious or whatever you want to call it he's not a bragger he's just yep this is what I did you know what I mean he's not confident. yeah he's he's confident. confident but he's not he knows a, what he's done arrogant yeah well and we it's good to make fun of each other because uh, you know he'll say something and I'll be like oh you want to go race up the mountain there tons of fun and then he'll be like I don't know you're only going to shoot a forked horn when you get to the top so it's a good you know. <laughs> it's a good balance
1: he's funnier than crap i know i know what you mean man he's some of his some of his stuff when he used to post on monster Melees was friggin' hilarious real dry sense of humor and you know, he can call people out without people realizing they're being called out it, it's funny and i just remembered that other guy's name drummond Lindsay.
0: yeah drummond Is that who you're talking about yep, yeah drummond. dude
1: I, I i'm gonna say it right here i think drummond lindsey and mike duplan Dude, they need to, I don't know, push up contest, um, you know, WWF match or something. Those are two of the biggest, those are the kind of dudes. My, my wife laughs because whenever I'm like somewhere, I, I don't even notice I do this. You know, I'm not a very big guy, you know, 175 pounds, uh, five foot nine and shrinking. So my wife's like, whenever I'm around really big dudes, and I, you know, I'm talking six five six four two forty two eighty 240, 280 guys. She's like, honey, your whole demeanor changes. Like, you hold the door for these guys. You act like you're scared. I'm like, really? Fuck, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and, uh, man, whenever I'm talking to Duplan or 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 Drummond, I'm like, these are big freaking men. Oh, so yeah. So I'm calling you guys out. Uh, it would be a YouTube sensation, even if it was just a, a mock video. You guys need to go out. I know, at least arm wrestle.
0: Yeah. Oh, for, yeah, without a doubt, and it's funny because they're both funnier than hell. Like, uh, both both do plan and Drummond. Um, he was giving me, although he messaged me the other day. Uh, I had uh, Doyle Moss on the podcast, and we were making fun of uh, Drummond because he was taking photos out in the arsenal and acting yeah, like they right. were public land. And Drummond messaged me; he's like, "I've only done that a couple times, you know, whatever." But Drummond's cool as shit. I like Drummond. He's Dude, a hell of he a is, hunter, and, and you
1: like the only reason we banned him from Rock Slide is people just couldn't handle his his jabbing and his sense of humor. He wasn't way out of bounds, but when I open up my inbox every day, and it's like, hey, this guy said this, this guy's making fun of my posts, this guy made fun of me because I picked up shed antlers on the winter range, even though I could go in and read the posts, I'm like, he's just poking around. It's not a big deal. Unfortunately, that's the problem with forums and, and the written word. People can't tell when you're when you're just joking, and, and maybe sometimes he wasn't either. But that that was really the only reason we let him go. But I, I really enjoy the guy, and I think I even like invited him back at the expo a couple of years ago. And he's like, nah, it's all right. I caused more trouble than I'm worth. And uh, but that that's what if you if you wonder why he got banned, that that was all it was. Is you can't really be a smart ass on the internet because people don't know how to take it. Yeah, no, th- and they
0: they don't, and I. a lot of things too. And, and, and you, you know, being one of the owners of rock slide, one of the issues that, that, that I have or not, not issues. One of the reasons it's hard for me to get on there is if I post something, it's not something I want to argue about. I'm posting it to benefit, uh, someone, uh, just with, with general knowledge, especially when it comes to gear or survival or whatever. Um, and I got To a point where I'm like, man, I'm sucking up way too much of my time to argue with some dude back East that spent seven days in the field uh, a year, you know, or whatever. And nothing wrong with that. I'm just like, you know what? I can get info out more easily on a podcast and people can listen in if they choose so. And and I don't have to deal with as much. And I'm still, you know, helping guys out. And as you know, it is very rewarding uh to get you know hundreds and thousands of thank yous of man i couldn't have got this done without listening to your podcast right. shortening the learning curve and I, I i definitely like the podcast thing you know better and i you know Rockslide's a great resource i just um i just don't want to get on there and argue
1: <laughs> it, it's like what we were talking about a while ago it's like having the new guy in camp that won't quit asking questions and it just it becomes a time vortex you know what i mean Instead of just sitting back and reading and learning, uh, 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 you know, because it, it, I, I know what you mean. When you put stuff up, it may not even be that people are arguing with you. Like a guy could say, well, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm surprised that you passed up all these elk. I thought you were going to shoot any elk. Well, he doesn't know the background of what's going on this year, freezers full, whatever. I know what you mean. It becomes a time vortex and you just get sucked into them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as you, as you, you are as well, it's a bit busy. I got, you know, especially now with the Kafaru thing and everything else It's it's, it's a lot more, you know, time involved than, than before it. But if, if someone truly wants help, uh, man, I love getting guys in the, you know, in, in the woods. I mean, there's not, especially, you know, getting them to be successful. Um, you know, but you also have guys that just hang around just to talk shit. And you've got plenty of those, although you guys do pretty good at controlling that on, on rock slide. Um, Brian smashes
1: them. Yeah.
0: Well, and I've been I me, mean, believe me, I know I've been, I've been the brunt of a, of a, of a bash, um, you know, post a few different times on there. And generally I just chime in and I'm, I think the last one, it was basically, I was arrogant or I loved myself too much. And I'm like, Hey, I'm me, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like it. or It's, it's I know
1: it's, I read some of that stuff too. Aaron, And I just, I, I don't, know. it's just, it's just the internet. I, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but, um, you know, we're starting to, starting to change a little bit of that stuff on Rockslide. This whole character assassination thing is, um, I mean, some of this, I don't know how long your podcast you want to go here. We probably both better get going, but we've always, you know, even when you were there, we learned it from you. We, we smash the trolls. We don't put up with the flipping trolls. But there's also kind of this stuff that's coming out where people get on there, and it made me think of it when you said, ah, well, Aaron's full of himself and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you listen to one podcast, and you've never sent Aaron a PM, and you don't know him, I could see why some people might think that, but yet I know tons of guys are like, oh my gosh, the dude called me back on a Sunday, and all I had was just a question. I mean, it could have waited, or he answered my email from the top top of mountain. a mountain. A lot of people don't know that. so So I'm starting to put up with less and less of that on Rockside. I used to let that stuff ride, but it almost gets into character assassination with no representation from the other side, and, you know, I used to be thinking, well, it's an open forum, you know, I, I can't be the thought police. Well, I don't want to be the thought police, but when somebody gets on there, and let's just say someone, this, this whole um, uh, Josh Bolmar, you saw the thread on Rock Slide, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, parts of it. Okay, dude, dude don't, don't quote me on this. I think I've either locked that thread or I completely deleted it, because, this is why, all this stuff that you guys talked about on your podcast Like, I didn't know Josh Bomar from Santa Claus. I mean, I'd never talked to him. I had never met him. I had never anything. And I listened to you guys on there. I thought, okay, he's got some issues brewing with fishing game. Just how it is. Any well-known hunter is going to get a a target painted on him by fishing game. Sorry, game wardens. I've, I just know that's how it is. I know that that's you guys' job. You got to watch people, but these guys get an unfair amount of 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 scrutiny, I think. And so then when somebody comes on Rockslide and they say, well, you know, he could have done this or the outfitter could have done this. I used to kind of stay out of that stuff and leave it alone. I'm changing my policy. And this is why it's becoming unfair to, to maybe somebody did do something wrong, but this whole cancel culture thing of just like, okay, they did something wrong, so they've done everything wrong. They have no value to society. In fact, maybe we should lynch them. Dude, that's kind of what that stuff's starting to turn into. And so we're, we're just deleting it even, and I'm sending the guys PM saying, you know what, you might be right, but, you know, he hasn't been convicted, and I'm not even talking Look, about Bomar. I'm just talking about in let, general.
0: Let me talk about Bomar and Rockslide. Um, so, and I hope the guy's listening to this. Some chucklehead from Montana who's an ex-game warden messages me, bitching about Brian Martin and Josh Bomar. Now, the Brian Martin podcast, we didn't mean to post, and we deleted it. But with Josh Bomar, Josh Bomar has not been convicted of anything, nothing. And I believe Josh Bomar is guilty. I don't think he, I don't think he did anything wrong, and I know Josh, I know his lawyer, and I know the story. This guy, after that thread, months later, when the game wardens are about to um, press charges, whatever you want to call it, he messages me. Now, what kind of life does this guy lead? To message me months after to make sure I know that something has been—they have charged Josh Bomar with something—and he—he mm-hmm. after 30 years of being a game warden, I know some things. I'm like, yeah, uh, all right, dude, you know, fair enough. But he's still not guilty, and it's like, you know what? If he's if he's if he's guilty before proven innocent, rather than innocent before proven guilty. Uh-huh. One of the charges they charged him for was there was a photo of a gun in the truck when they went out to finish his mule deer off and they're trying to charge him for finishes mule off, mule deer off with a gun because there was because a, of a picture because it was in the picture. Now, mm-hmm. am I saying Josh Bomar farts gold? No, we, we, not but he's a friend of mine. I think he's innocent And it's like, you know what? If you're doing nothing but trolling Rockslide to make sure I know that something happened, you've got psychological issues, dude. You need a hug. You need to talk to your mommy. You need to do something because you have too much time on your hands. Think about it. How many rules have you broken over the last 20 years that you didn't even know you broke or were about
1: to? I have done it. (laughs) I have done it. And I'll be the first to admit it. I've even blogged on it. I have... um, accidentally and in my way younger years like 25 years ago purposely broke fish and game laws but in the last 10 years dude i broke a couple on accident i mean that stuff can happen oh yeah Dennis lynch used to say it on in, in christensen's hunting illustrated he used, to, he used to put it in this column if you are hunting or fishing you are probably breaking a law and i the more i thought about that i thought you know what And he's not just being anti-game warden. I'm not anti-game warden. I love fishing game. I mean, that's not what this is about. But, man, there are so many laws, you know, barbed hooks. And, like, what I got a ticket for in 2003 was they changed what they designated as a trailhead. And, yeah, it was in some press release in the post-register that I missed. And I drove in on a two-track that I had been driving in for 20 years. Well, they had designated that, the trail, and then moved the trailhead up to the main road. But... The sign was on the side of the road, and it didn't. It, did, it just said uh, uh, no driving beyond trailhead. I thought, oh yeah, the trailhead's up at the end of this two-track road. Frick, dude! I broke that law. I paid my $150 fine. I didn't. I didn't argue with the guy, dude. If that happened now, oh my gosh, people, they, you know, they want to boycott your blog. They want to, you know, they, the whole cancel culture thing. And 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 I just, I don't want to be part of the problem. I'm not here to stick up for guys that have broken the law. But I also, I think that some guys can make a mistake and they can come back from it and we need to give them that room and to expect these hunting what so-called celebrities and he must not be too much of a celebrity because i don't even know who josh bomar was to let's just say he he's guilty he pays his fines whatever and you know loses hunting privileges for whatever the judge decides um i am not against that guy being able to hunt again if, 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 if he's paid his debt to society, and I know, dude, there's guys getting fired up right now. No, 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 no. Come on. These guys are, they're scamming people. And I'm like, yeah, we all make mistakes and we better be pretty flipping careful, you know, about casting the first stone here. And so, I mean, trying to relate this back to Rock Slide that I'm putting up with less and less of that on Rock Slide when people get on, even with known facts. And this whole character assassination thing, and like Ryan says, he goes, "Oh, that, that's what Facebook's for. That's not what Rockslide's for." And so, you know, just just putting that out there that we're going to put up with less and less of that on Rockslide because you can say anything you want about anybody these days. That's the problem. And unless somebody wants to get on there, like you said, Aaron, it's a great big time suck, and defend themselves. It, it just it just ends up one-sided.
0: Well, and I think I told you, and we don't need to get into the one where the the, the specific dude was bashing me because I, I can't even remember why, but it was, um, we had his IP address and I was like, yeah, dude, like Robbie, this is targeted. Like he's doing this on purpose. If some, yeah, you know, whatever, but I, and I don't, I got thick. I don't really, I mean, it is what it is. I'm used to it now, but what, what does bug me in, in the, you know, the, the guilty before proven innocent, that bugs me. Mm-hmm. Um, it does do to, too. If there's extra heat being put on you for a specific reason, that kind of bugs me. I know how much Josh Bomar puts into charity uh, and never talks about it. I know how mm-hmm. much he's he's done for different, uh, part, you know, underprivileged kids, you know, that no one knows about. Is he perfect? No, he's not perfect, but Jesus, if you're, I mean, literally they were throwing rocks at him before the rope was even tight in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, he didn't even get charged. He hasn't even done anything wrong technically yet. And so, and and this is just Josh and the guy the the game worn from Montana, which I'm sure you're going to listen to this man. If you're hoping a guy gets pinched, you are fucking wrong because if you're praying a guy gets pinched to make you look better, I don't, I do not like that. I don't, I don't think that's fair. Like I think everybody should get a fair shake. Now, if you're wrong, yeah, of course. You know, serve your time, do your shit. You know, whatever. But man, the the ones that get on it is not just rock slide. I mean, it's much worse on archery talk. Um, you mm-hmm. know, you kind of want a guy. I mean, think about it. If you break a law tomorrow, Robbie, I know you well enough. Whether you broke a law or not, you didn't mean to break the law. You could have. Not going to do it intentional. Yeah, but yeah, too it, much to risk. Yeah, exactly. But crap happens, you know, and and so. You know, it's like, am I going to hang Robbie out in the courtyard? Hell no, it's a mistake. I've known you forever. You don't, I mean, out of anyone, you don't break the law. Me, on the other hand, like, I was crazy as a kid. I've grown up. But you got to give people the benefit of the doubt before you start going ham on them. Uh, I, I feel
1: anyway. You do, even if they've got fifty thousand Instagram followers. Um, I'm friends with a lot of game wardens because I was a volunteer for our fishing game for about five ten years, and and I'll even name him because I named him in my book. His name is Lou Huddleston. He's a retired game warden here in Idle Falls, and I would this was probably one of the biggest heartbreaks in my career when he told me this, and it just made me realize that, man, life is not fair. Um, I was talking to him one day because he comes in uh, to where I work um, uh, at a health club, and we were just talking casually about this kind of subject, and he said something like, yeah, Robbie, unfortunately there are people in the department that look at you and with scrutiny and a little disbelief of what you've done killing some of these big deer. And I'm like, are you kidding me, Lou? I said, I have never had a, a game violation other than that road thing I just told you about. I've, ne- I've never, nothing like that. Um, and yet, that's what they think of me. And he's like, unfortunately, yes, they're not everybody. And, and I don't know if he specifically meant game wardens, but you know, it all floats to the top. And, um, and I, just, I just remember that was a gut ache for weeks for me. And I thought, you know, I have, I have done everything I can to follow the law, you know, and, and, and like I said with Dennis Winch, I mean, you, you can break the law so easily. In Idaho, if you don't immediately punch your tag, you know, you're, they can ticket you. And gosh, I know guys that get all excited, you know, freaking, yeah, I got one, kick butt, you know, it's getting dark. They're quartering it up, you know, they haul it out, they get to the trailhead, you know, their tags buried in, you know, pocket number 19 on their Kafaru pack. They, They haven't even punched their tag yet, and they get a ticket. Yeah, it's the law. I get it. But that doesn't mean that they were going to poach and, you know, it wasn't their intention to get too deer. Go ahead. No, I just,
0: I've said this many times on a podcast, and it's just I want to kind of segment with what you're saying. I think there's three different kinds of people that poach. You go out that day, you're 100 percent ready to poach. You go out with bait in your pack and, and you're not supposed to bait. Or, or you know, you're cruising the road right after shooting light, right? You have the intention of, of, of poaching. The other one, no intention of poaching, but under the moment of, of truth, you decide to break the law and, and, and it's not something you, you didn't have a it wasn't premeditated. And it's then not the third first degree.: yeah, the third. Yeah, you just you didn't know you, you broke the law. And I say poach. I don't mean poach. You broke a fish and game violation. Right, you know, right. The third one, I don't even know if those guys should get tickets, especially if it's genuine. Like, you know, you, you forgot your tag in the truck. You get to the animal, and then you pack it to the truck. and you, That's technically Ill- illegal. You, you can't mm-hmm. do that. Right, so yesterday right. with well, Amy, when she shot that, that, that antelope, and I walked back to the truck, I was like, do you have your tag on you? Yes, I'm like, do not fuck around. You punch that tag the moment you get to the antelope. Okay. And I'm like, I am not kidding you because I, I know the game warden out east, I like him, but I know he'd also write her a, a ticket. Sure. He, <laughs> so I'm Cause like, because
1: most people are stabbing him in the back over that stuff, Yeah, too. You know, I, I, I understand their side, too. I really do. And I'm not saying, I mean, some of them are lenient. Um, when Tanya Avery was out here, couple years ago she shot that deer um with with me and ryan and we're like all excited and i'm like okay we gotta punch the tag now or we're gonna forget and um digging around in her pack she's like oh man i changed my pack this morning i i don't know she took her backpack not her day pack i don't remember she's like it's back at camp like oh crap so i called the game warden i got him on speed dial when you're an outfitter you do because you know there's gonna be problems and i explained it to him and he was very cool he's like I can still ticket you if that buck hits the main road. You know, you are it. It, it shows intent that you're leaving the area. It says, but because you called, no problem. Just get get the tag on there. Because otherwise, I got to drive you know three hours around the mountain to camp, get the tag, drive back, hike back in. So I don't want to say that they're not. They're they're fair. They're very fair. But well, I just don't want to give them a chance. Out there that are- <laughs> No, no, dude, it'll, it'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your life. And, you know, and I, I don't want to throw them all into the same, to the same uh, tub here and say, oh, yeah, they're all out to get you. They're not. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but when Lou Huddleston told me that about there's people that are, you know, really scrutinizing me, they don't trust me, I'm like, well, maybe it's not even their fault. They're just so used to people being poachers that get big animals. I don't know. But it's still like, what a gut ache. You know, you, you got to be thinking about that stuff all the time, and, and I just want to, and I'll end it with this, I just want to make sure rock slide doesn't turn into um, part of that problem, you know, because, um, I mean, Aaron, you could do something wrong tomorrow, dude, and, 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 and totally on accident. You could, you know, lose your tag and think, oh, man, I've only got 150 yards to go to the truck. I'm just going to get it over there, and, and boom, you're busted you know, should you lose your hunting rights for 10 years and use your business? No, I don't agree. Yeah. You got to pay your fine. You got to, you know, if it's a penalty for a year of not hunting, okay, man, suck it up, bud. You screwed up. But all of a sudden it taints your character. No way.
0: No, I I agree. No, as you say, and here's the problem. I will, because I'm human. I am going to do something wrong, whether I want to or not at what level, who knows, but you hunt multiple states. I can't remember all that shit. I'm good about calling right. now. I always call. Mm-hmm. If I got a question, mm-hmm. I call. Well, mm-hmm. the buck I shot, we tagged it immediately this couple days ago. I put the, when we were driving back, it was super windy. We didn't have tape. You're supposed to keep the, you know, the, the tag on the carcass. Well, uh-huh. buck's in the back of the truck. I've got it filled out. I know there's, le- they'll say, hey, keep it in your pocket until. So my dumbass puts it in the center console on top, puts my chew can over it. We're only going like 400 yards to over or maybe a little bit more than that. And, and Alex has tape, so we're just going to tape it up on the horn. It blew away. And thank <laughs> God we found it. But n- now I'm like, do I call Logan? Right? He's a, one of the game wardens out there. Uh, and I'm like, should I just call him and, and you know, say, hey, dude, <laughs> the tag blew away? <laughs> like, what, what do I do? And then I'm like, okay, before I start calling anyone, fan out. And we actually found it in the pucker brush, um, you know, in the tumbleweed. It blew out the truck and then landed by the fence line. And by a miracle, we found it. Technically, though, at that time, your only chance, choice is to call the game board and if you've lost it. But some guys might think, ah, I've got the upper half. They weren't going to care. I can, mm. You know what? Yeah, call. Oh, they care. Call. Yes, definitely call i agree
1: i've actually had very good luck because i've had other situations i just told you about the one with tanya i've had other situations where i've just called and worked things out and you will you will always hold the cards it doesn't mean you won't get in trouble but you will always hold the cards if you get ahead of it and i totally believe that and i have friends that are like no way man they're crooked i'm like yeah but still let's get ahead of them I- you I don't, know, let's I be don't, transparent.
0: Logan's pretty freaking cool. I don't know that he's crooked. He's definitely by the book. Like I wouldn't want to fuck around and push him right as far as what I can get away with. But I think he would have been pretty cool uh, understanding. I mean, we had 50 mile an hour winds. Um, and I think he would have been fine. The thing is, I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. Right. Like, ah, well, I don't really want to find out who's cool and when and why. Because, I mean, there's got to be some common sense. Obviously, the wind's blowing and and uh, I can't necessarily say that Logan is uh, likes me, but he seems cool enough um, of of a guy. And I've talked to him before and I just I wouldn't want to push it with anyone. I think in in, when in doubt now I call like if I got a question, I call. If I think I've broken the law, I call. And, you know, at least if I've done that, if I get bashed online, I'm like, well, I didn't hide from it. You know, I wasn't sure if I did anything wrong, and I I called.
1: I mean, that's all you you can do. And, you know, and on the other side, having known some game wardens very well, they're like, you know how I can tell if a member of the public is lying to me? Like, oh, man, how? It's got, like, some secret, like, eye scan? Oh, no, man, their lips are moving. And they're like, I get lied to constantly by the public. Now, not everybody lies. They're not saying that, but they're just the default mode When people are talking to game wardens, unfortunately, they're lying. And sometimes they're lying about things they don't even need to lie about, you know? And so, so that, that's kind of their world too, is that they don't, they don't trust anybody because they get lied to so much. You know? So if a guy picks up the phone and calls them and just says, Hey, this just happened. I just did this. How can we make the best out of this? Oh man, unless they just got it out for you, it's still going to go better for you than if you try to hide it. Hiding never works. That always, it always brings up the level of guilt if you're hiding anything.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, 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 um, I, I, my, my local game warden by me has definitely made me look at game wardens a lot different. He has been super cool, you know, to deal with. He, he, I'm sure he gets tired of me asking him questions occasionally because I, I just want to make sure, you know. I'll call and be like, "Hey, dude, is this uh." Is this illegal <laughs> you
2: know, like, mm-hmm, and
0: mm-hmm. he's been great to, to deal with. So now I will say there's some Jack wagons out there and then there's some really good game wardens. I think if you were raised in hunting, you're probably a better game warden than you would be, you know, you sure. got more yeah. applicable, you know, applicable uh, time in the field uh, to learn about it. But yeah, anyway, we should probably start talking about this before I piss off more game wardens. I love you all game wardens. You're the best, like right up there with sliced bread. Please don't hate me. If I ever break a law, please give me leniency same with Robbie
1: (laughs) (laughs) same same here know that it's not in my heart to break the law on purpose you know that is not what I set out to do but yeah I have a lot of respect for our game wardens and I I wouldn't want to you know put let this put a sour taste in anybody's mouth I we kind of both you know put out stuff that's kind of the worst that we've seen but um you know I wouldn't I don't want to be part of the problem I guess is what I'm saying
0: yeah no I wouldn't want to be a game warden that job sucks um honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do it I, I don't envy them. it's like being a cop um you always you know same with cops and game wardens,
1: everybody hates them till you need them, and then you're. Where are you?
2: Like, well, you hey, hated that, me you know a minute what? ago. That's
1: the other thing too. Is man, I've had some freaking great experiences with game wardens. I went to a new unit in Colorado and got the tag just like a month before the season. It was a landowner tag, just a cheap one. Didn't know where to go, and I called the office like five times. And the lady's like, "Gosh, you know, he is out in the field a lot. I don't know if you're going to catch him here. Here's his cell phone." And um. Uh, Dude the dude called me the same day and he's like okay when I was going to Montrose he's like when are you down here I'm like oh, I'll be coming through there tomorrow okay i'm going to meet you at the office at this time dude that i wish i could remember his name i actually wrote a letter to his supervisor dude he drove off the mountain and came to the office and talking to him and the secretaries are like oh yeah he's in here like you know once a week for an hour you know you you got lucky and 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 that you know i've had experiences just like that too that dude bent over backwards you know sure to give me his own spot you bent over backwards to help me. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: No, there's a lot of good ones out there. Um, I, th- I think for, you know, with, if I give advice to people now and you know, I'm, I'm 40, how old am I? 44, uh, 43. I, what I have learned is, um, if you are purposefully not wanting to tell the game warden and hiding everything you can do, you are probably guilty. If the first thing that you think is I better call the game warden, you're, you're probably innocent. When I say innocent, you didn't mean to break the law. And so when I guys, yeah, yeah, exactly. So when guys ask me about it, I'm like, okay, you're probably not guilty because you wouldn't have called me to ask because you'd be hiding it and you wouldn't be telling me anything. Cause I've had people call me like, Hey, I did this, you know, the, the, the leaving the, um, set proof of sex attached to deboned meat. Oh yeah. I've had lots of guys call me. I'm like, look, you're, you know, it, throw it in the bag. You're screwed now. I mean, you can call them and let them know. And they'll, you know, I mean, honesty is the best policy. And they're like, well, what would you do? And I'm like, it's, you know, it is, can be a big deal, but if you're that worried about it, call and let them know, and they can check it on your way out. You might get in trouble, but if you're honest about it, it's better than be driving down the road, them pulling you over. And then they're like, Hey, you know, the proof of sex, not attached. It, it's not like that in every state. So in
1: Colorado, people aren't used to that. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because that's a common one here. in any antlered hunt, it ha- it, ca- it can't be just laying in the bag. It has to be naturally attached. And, oh man, that's like one havilon slip away from from breaking the law. I mean, it it's hard on a, You know, if you're trying to leave the bag attached and you're not paying attention, you know that that's an easy one to do. But it, but again, nothing a simple phone call is not going to at least lower the degree of punishment either to zero or. To maybe just a warning, or worst case scenario, the judge is going to go easy on you. But I would much rather have the guy on the phone than pulling up to the impromptu check station, going, "Oh crap," you know. And then, and then, then you're guilty. They caught you.
0: Yeah. No, there's no no doubt. But, well, man, we've been on over two hours, and I told you it would be an crap. hour. So I, I I'm going to get
1: fired, dude.
0: I thought you were a boss.
1: Well, sort of. But all bosses have bosses. So
0: you're right. No, I can't. It, it, you, you, Enjoyable I, two hours. Uh, yeah, I was good. I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to, to shoot, the, shoot the crap and, and talk. Um, well, good luck on everything uh, you've got going on for the rest of the season. And definitely check out uh, Robbie's book. Robbie, where, they, where can they find that, the whole, the whole nine yards?
1: Amazon's the easiest. Just type in Hunting Big Mule Deer, Robbie Denning, it'll come up. But if you want a signed copy, some guys do, you can just go to the Rock, rock Slide, uh, and, and it's in our store. Um, but Amazon can have you one in like two or three days. And it is available on Kindle i um, sorry guys it's not available on audiobook um, too much visual stuff in the book I think to do it a fair shake on on audio maybe someday I'll sit down and read it in a, into a microphone but for right now if you buy the book you get all the pictures and if you go with the Kindle, you get full color pictures and I think kindle's like 12 bucks or something yeah, it's, it's
0: cheap. cheap so that's how i read it was actually kindle
2: so.
1: <laughs> awesome man well hey i appreciate you reading it and i appreciate you having me on dude And let's do it again sometime but dude if you can give me more than five minutes notice because like i'm trespassing right now i just pulled over in a field right here i mean hopefully there's no chuckers or anything in this field because they might get me for hunting but uh <laughs> but yeah i always know when you're going to be on aaron's podcast you get five minutes notice
0: five to ten. Five to ten so <laughs> thanks a lot man i appreciate it later yep take it easy